Welcome to SkyCast, episode 42, a podcast dedicated to all things The 100. I am Brittany Perlman. And I'm Sarah McCabe. And today we'll be discussing the season six finale, The Blood of Sanctum. End of the season. Wow. How are we feeling? It feels like it went both really fast and really slow. Yeah, I feel like it went really fast. Well, like just thinking back to like episode one, I'm like, well, it was a long time ago. But at the same time, like... I can't believe it's over already. It was such a great season. It was a great season. I am lukewarm about this finale. Yeah, same. I I think the last two episodes just tried to cram a little bit too much plot and not quite enough emotion um, into it. Yeah, I also feel like we were talking about before, there was just the, the emotional climax of the show happened sort of mid-season, and so everything after that just sort of felt less exciting to me yeah yeah but I'm still really excited to talk about this episode and I'm really 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 excited for what might come next I yeah I mean there's a lot of really good stuff to talk about and even though I'm feeling sort of like meh about the episode in general it was still a great episode and I am very pleased with most of the stuff that took place so I don't have any like huge nits to pick yeah I'm curious now where you would fit this season um, in terms of, like, your favorite seasons. Like, how would you number Yeah, I mean, it's so hard. I still think season two is my favorite, yeah. but this is a close second. I would agree. I think this season could have been my favorite if, like, the last few episodes had really, like, knocked it out of the park. But yeah. I think just with the direction it took, um, season two is still my favorite. Because season two really focused on, like, one thing. And they were all trying to do one thing. And I think this season it got a little bit spread out um yeah it got a little away from them which it it can be really hard then to bring it back together and they tried and I so I wouldn't say they failed but um it wasn't executed as well as I think it could have been yeah I would agree with that um so before we get into the recap I wanted to give out a special thank you to um Tim Williams for his beautiful review on iTunes um honestly I have never had so much fun reading a review. It was delightful. It was really great. And we shared it with all of our friends on our way to the beach yesterday. Like, Look, someone likes us. We're cool. And, he, you, and like you described us as like in our PJs. With a life-size shrine of Clark. How did you know? Our Harry Potter PJs, which is just like, are you, do you are, can you see us? Um, so thank you again for that beautiful review. We appreciate it so much. And also just a general thank you to everybody who tweeted us this season. You guys have been amazing. And honestly, it makes this so much more fun for us to do this. Because when we started, it was like, I don't care if anybody's listening. We were just speaking into the void. Um, so really, it is so rewarding to interact with all of you personally it's just absolutely the most wonderful thing so thank you again so much um and then before we get into the recap with with this caveat please please take a minute to go rate and review us on itunes as you know it helps other fans of the hundred find us so please go do that right now and with that let's let's get into it let's get into the last episode of season six So everyone is on the mothership in a standoff, but Indra is the first to crack when Clark points her gun at Gaia. Indra's forces are taken to the mess hall and locked inside, and then the Primes decide that they'll wipe the minds of all the sleeping soldiers in Cryo, giving them a veritable buffet of hosts to choose from, and then they'll fly to Planet Beta and start new lives. So first question right off the bat is, at this point, 
I am confused why Clark is still keeping up the Josephine charade. Like the primes and their limited guards that they brought with them are vastly outnumbered by the contingency of Sky Crew on the ship. I mean, they've left all of their people behind in Sanctum alone. Yeah. So like I I'm just like in general like very confused why this is still going. I think Clark doesn't want anyone to get hurt. Um I don't think she wants definitely not her own people to get hurt and I don't think she wants the Sanctum guards to get hurt either and if she were to like turn um around and like point the gun at Russell or whatever like someone is going to get hurt um not to mention Maddie is also just sitting right there um really really vulnerable and so I think Clark is trying to keep up the acts to figure out what she can do to save the most people at this point in time that makes Um, sense okay I'll buy that yeah all right I also wanted to point out I found it particularly like heart-wrenching that Simone Abbey was the one who was holding the gun to Raven you know just given that their their special bond and everything was like really icky yeah I mean even though she was in Abby's body it really didn't seem like Abby's body you know what I mean in a way that I could have like I, I can still see Clark in Josephine but like Abby was just like decked out in these like huge earrings and this necklace and her hair was all done and it was just like much more than she'd ever seen been seen with before you know yeah I mean my question is do you feel like um Paige Turco did a better job impersonating Simone this episode than she did last episode um maybe a little bit I don't know if I still I don't know if I really believed it um and maybe that's just because I loved the other actress so much in that role that it was hard for me to see Paige Turco doing the same role yeah um what about you did you like it yeah I mean I think it was easier to swallow because the question of are you dead has really been answered yeah um and so you're not left with that like lingering um doubt yeah so I yes I think it was easier to see her as Simone in this episode I'm just generally like Paige Turco has such a specific way of speaking yeah like the way that her mouth forms words is that she doesn't have a lot of range yeah in in just that kind of physicality in a way that like Eliza Taylor can do a lot of different sounds and a lot of different voices and a lot of different accents and like intonations that make it easier to differentiate Josephine from Clark mm-hmm. in a way that like Paige Turco just like I just don't think she can do it yeah. so it sounds the same even if it doesn't look the same or even if she can do it she didn't so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I would agree with that um so ultimately it seems like the prime's plan is to planet hop until they find one they can live on mm-hmm and obviously we don't end up doing that this episode, but do we think that we're ever going to actually find out if the other Allegius team survived? Are I, we ever going to go to those planets or are they ever going to come to us? My instinct is yes. I mean, I don't, I don't know. My instinct is no. Well, you're probably right. You usually are. But I'm not sure. I mean, like, what I want to say is yes, because I'm very curious. There's, what, four other planets out there? Was it four or seven? I, oh. There's how, how many did they go to? I thought there was, like, six. Six? Maybe well, seven. There, there's, there's a handful of other planets out there that could have life on them right now, could have human life. And given that 
we killed all the human life on earth apparently you know like it's just really interesting to me to think that there could be more of us out there yeah I mean I was thinking maybe in like the end of the last season so next season when they're trying to like repopulate these like all these disparate communities of humanity can like come back together and like that could be like a nice message yeah instead of like everybody being separated and like at war with each other like finally everybody can come back together and sort of like rebuild the race of humanity like that that would be nice i don't know if we'll go there but you know i mean i'm just gonna like put in the suggestion now jason because i know you listen to us (laughs) yeah clearly because bellark is absolutely real (laughs) so please bring back the other elegious people so all of humanity can as one rebuild our home unity day unity day oh my god that would be so good right um <laughs> calling it now you heard it here first <laughs> i do wonder how close we'd actually need to be to hear each planet's or to like receive each planet's um mind drive signals like yeah. for example if somehow this season we could like take out the anomaly or at least like keep it from sucking in like signals like radio signals would they be able to just from alpha planet check and see if everyone else is still alive doubtful I mean, I guess it depends on, like, their pseudoscience version of, like, how far radio waves can travel. True. But, like, probably not. Okay. 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 All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with no. You just shot me down there. Real I mean, sorry. that's all right. That's fine. I don't actually think we're going to meet the Allegis people anyway. Fine. <laughs> Be that way. Um, but it is really, really devastating here that Clark has to, like, knock out Maddie in order to save her from Simone. Um, and just, like you know having to hurt her child in that way to keep up the charade and it is like all it's to protect her child because Simone was going to kill Maddie but um it, it was still just hard to watch oh my god yeah it was really hard to watch and I I mean like that's kind of like an emotional punch that it's like a shock and awe value that yeah. they were doing but I also think you know the fact that they literally had to knock Maddie unconscious is a very good example of like temporarily eliminating a character that is clearly overpowered yeah right they like gave her too much power and keeping her conscious for the remainder of the episode would have hindered any kind of dramatic tension that they wanted to play out Mm -hmm. so they had to remove her from the equation as quickly as possible yeah and it just it kind of felt like i could see them working the seams a little bit with this you know maybe yeah a little bit i don't i'm not opposed to it i understand um, but I, but I do have to say, anytime two characters share nonverbal communication, like I am, I am into it, and I was particularly pleased with Gaia's like teeny tiny head nod to Indra, you know, just indicating that like Clark's still secretly in charge, and they have a plan, sort of. And it's like it's just nice to see a mother daughter reunite again after so long, you know, in real time, because in the show time it's been like what a week. But well, true, and there like really aren't many mother daughters in this show. I mean, there's always like Clark and her mom, and then Clark and Maddie. Yeah. But other than that, it's Indra and Gaia. That's it, I think. Right. Yeah, I think. Well, and Hope and Diosa now. Oh right. Well, yes, that is a new one. That's, we've got that's a brand new mother daughter relationship. <laughs> but I, I, I mean. Yeah, I, I've missed them. I think they're both super interesting. They're really yeah. interesting together. But I also just, I love that, like, they know each other so well that Gaia, or Indra instinctively looks to Gaia, and Gaia, like, mm-hmm. reassures her without any words at all. Um, Another thing I wanted to call out is, and I know I've been saying this, like, all season, I am still shocked 
like by how privileged and spoiled the primes are they like just disgust me like clean your own toilets what <laughs> is wrong with you They're like no we have to keep all these people alive because we need them to be like our slaves <laughs> it's like are you are you listening to yourself i mean like that's the thing is like they've been they're always going on and on about like oh we can't cross this like moral line well that's what's so funny like back in episode three i think it was when clark went to like dying with russell and simone and simone was like how many people have you killed clark just like thinking about that now and thinking about the fact that simone has played a role in the murder of so many of her own people and the oppression yeah you know it's like not just murder like it's not just a body count which in and of itself is high and the death is cruel yeah but also like you are actively and systematically oppressing an entire population of people you have no room to be judging anybody yeah uh, and their moral compass so just like fuck you simone <laughs> love you though boo <laughs> <laughs> miss you <laughs> um last thing i wanted to call out because i just think it's really interesting and sort of like puts a button on what we were just talking about is so jasmine who now is in this new body um she verbalizes that now if they erase if they erase all of the people who are sleeping they could just basically keep them on ice and pick anybody willy-nilly they want without ever having to come to know them which is basically freeing them of their last like moral uh hurdle yeah that they've they have to continually um jump over you know like it was their last tie to humanity was was having, having to, to know murder the and people protect. that they like raised yeah and to eliminate that last piece of the equation is basically you're now glorified robots at this point, yeah. you know? So we have really come and stretched this as far as we could possibly take it in this scenario. Yep. It's well, I, I don't think it'll be going much further after no, this I do episode. Not. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're done. So Bellamy and his team have locked themselves inside a shed, but the rioting sanctimites gas them unconscious and take them to be adjusted by those who still believe in the primes. However, our people are saved by Amori and Murphy pretending to be Kaylee and Daniel Prime, and they are all able to shut themselves inside the palace. Another question for you. Yes. Was Layla's death intentional? Like, she had to know they weren't bluffing, and yet she, like, mouthed off and resisted anyway. I mean, like... Does she does she want to become a martyr? Is it just that she would rather die than have to than have her choices removed? I mean, is there a level of like intentional death here? What what are your thoughts? I mean, I don't know if I would say like her death was intentional, but I do think there was zero chance that she would ever drink the blood of sanctum, quote unquote, and like, you know, in some way be initiated. She's completely against that. So yeah. I think she chose to die. I'm having a really hard time relating to this choice because I would be like, just give me the potion. Like, I don't, it's not a dilemma for me, but I understand that like, she's a very different kind of person. Well, and we also don't know exactly what the adjustment entails. Like, I, I don't know if it was something that was truly evil. And if the adjustment really would like somehow brainwash me into believing that, like, I don't know what I would choose, you know? In yeah. this situation, for me, I was just like, oh, my God, go along with it, guys, because 
obviously help is coming because it's a TV show. Right. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was just like, can you just like pretend and be copacetic for the moment (laughs) and then like our heroes will come in? But sure, they don't know that they're in a TV show. Yeah. Yes, it was like I was just like very shocked that they slit her throat. I, I guess. mean, it was worth winning at that. The woman did not like hesitate a second. It was no. just like cup or death. And she's like, death. death. And she's like, OK, whoop. well, and, and then I'm like, oh, 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 right. It was interesting <laughs> because I mean, I, I guess the children of Gabriel are like much bigger offenders in their eyes. Yeah. But with the other people, you know, she goes over to Miller and Octavia and they both resist a little bit. Well, there's, Octavia doesn't get the chance. But like there's you can clearly see she's like about to fight her well, way out Well, I there. actually, um, I had this note later, but I was really curious about what move Octavia would make when Tori offered her that cup. Yeah. Because, like, the old Octavia, I think that's pretty clear she would, like, spit in her face. Yeah. But with this new Octavia, I could see he, her being a little bit more amenable to, like, just waiting it out and seeing what happens. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and we'll never know. But I, I was really curious because I could see that war in her face of, like, what she should choose, whereas before... I don't think there would have been any war in her face, you know? No, it would have just been a reaction. Yeah. Yeah, but I do feel like they were being a little more lenient with the Sky Crew people than they were with the Children of Gabriel, which yeah. which does make sense. Um, I mean, I, I do feel like the Sanctumites, especially in this scene where they're, like, all banging on the uh, on the shed and then, like, suddenly stop at the same time, like, they seem a little bit more synchronized than they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, like, aren't they supposed to be kind of out of their minds in some way but they're like really able to like mastermind this adjustment and it i don't know if like it just wore off yeah or what happened also wondering that because as, when they go back to the palace leader there is still a mob out there of yeah. like affected people um so maybe it just like wore off on some people or maybe they were so fanatical that they were able to like grip their frenzy into yeah. like some sort of more I don't I'm really grasping at straws here but like I am not sure and I don't feel like it was well explained I mean maybe because um Gabriel said the red sun toxin makes the fanatics like even more like sure of their fanaticism you know yeah maybe that's, what that's I like I'm saying maybe yeah. that's why they were like able to like, so like calm because they will they were already at that level of like obsession um yeah. and I guess passion to use like a nice word uh, for I what feel they like believe we have to in. be nice to these people. Well, I do because these people have been lied to their whole lives, and even still, like I, I do, I do think that there is benefit to like believing in something beyond yourself. Um, I think these people have taken it too far. Yeah. Um, how do you think the adjustment actually works? Because we see it with Jordan later on, um, but that definitely seems like a long-term thing. Whereas with this, they just, like, give, you know, people a sip of the gross blood and then, like, what? Well, so that was kind of my question is, like, and I think I brought this up later, but we can talk about it now. I am confused if the Jordan, like, am I supposed to believe that the Jordan thing is, like, the latest in a series of, like, that's what I adjustment thought. protocol? Or were they like, oh, we have to do this adjustment protocol, let's do it now? Um, and they, this was Jordan's, like, first initiation t- into it as well. I don't know, actually. I'm not sure if we know either way. But I feel like it's, like, the red sun toxin with the blood mixture and then, like, some weird... Well, I it looks like... So Jordan had a guide, and I think the others had a guide, too. There was at one point when, like, they come into the tavern and you hear this guy in the background talking about the vines are eating you, like, yeah. all of this stuff. So maybe, like... 
the like guided hallucination in that way is what's like really brainwashing people. I feel like Jordan had several sessions of it um, because I, I think it just, I mean, like, that's why it probably took so a little yeah. deeper than it did for other people. But I mean, I, I definitely see that argument and I'm not, I'm I not, just don't think you could brainwash someone after one session of that. You know what I mean? I would hope not, but he's very gullible. He is. I mean, like, he's very naive. naive person so I don't know if we have enough evidence to support the claim that he's been multiple sessions no I also don't think we have enough evidence to support it that it isn't I believe it is I'm not and sure. what we believe is what is our truth <laughs> I, also known as headcanon um I just wanted to call out the Murphy Bellamy bromance is very strong in this scene and I am here for it I loved that little wink well it was nice but also like I wouldn't even say the bromance was strong because at this point Murphy and Bellamy are not on good terms yeah I Um, guess that's true it's just that those actors have really great chemistry yeah I mean I think it was more of just to like let Bellamy know that he's on their side again yeah um, which was nice, and I, I would like that, you know, moving forward for him to stay on our side, but you never know you with never Murphy. never know with Murphy. You never know. Um, but really, though, Murphy and Amori did so good pretending to be primes, especially Mur- uh, especially Amori, though. I agree. Like, I actually wrote that down in my notes. I was so impressed with her. I was like, damn, I would follow you, girl. <laughs> I mean, like, she just, like, had so much authority. Yeah. In, in a way that was, like, so unamori like Well, and she changed the way that she spoke. You yeah. know, like, Murphy didn't, really. No. no. Um, but Amori did. I literally wrote down, you are not as good as Clark. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. He's, he's no Clark. Um, but Amori was great. She did such a good job. Yeah. I actually, I was not expecting this rando dude to smooch Murphy, but I was very amused by it, and also by Murphy's reaction here. It yeah. It was real, really weird. But like, I mean, he was not not into it. It it it's a little odd, or at least interesting to me that the primes seem to have had relationships with nine, with non primes. Like we saw that with um obviously Kaylee and Isaac, but we haven't seen that much outside um of that realm. And it almost seemed like Kaylee and Isaac were more of like a secretive thing, whereas this clearly is like pretty out in the open, right? I, I mean, mean, I. Thinks, I mean, maybe this guy was just like, oh, my God, you're alive. You're back and, like, forgot himself for a second. So, I, but, like, like, what do other gnolls think about this? And, like, does the gnoll who was, like, chosen by one of the gods, like, does their standing improve in society? Or, like, how does that even work? Yeah, that's a good question. And it's also really interesting to consider that the only two pieces of evidence that we've seen of commingling between Prime and Null are the Lees. It's Kaylee and Daniel. Actually, that's wrong. Um, Miranda was oh that's they, she true. had a guy in her bed we didn't know anything about well him we don't he was dead yeah i guess we don't know what I, i'm is. assuming he's not a prime since there's yeah but he could have been a guard yeah but guards are actually like the lowest of the low isn't it the way that they made it sound like is that guards have no um guards are like the nulls that have no ability to produce a nightblood at some yeah, point I guess so they're right. not allowed to procreate yeah, but it, I think that she was just, like, using that person for sex. I mean, I'm not sure. We Who don't knows? know. We, we don't, don't know her life. I'm not sure. could have been deeply in love. Or if she was just using him for sex. I'm not shaming her. No. I'm just saying that I think, like, it's interesting that the that Kaylee and Daniel clearly had, like, substantial relationships with Knowles. Yeah. In a way that it doesn't seem like the other primes did. Well, I mean, Russell and Simone had each other. 
Right. Um, we have no idea about Priya. I have no idea about Riker and good riddance Riker. I I'm mean, so over you, Riker. He likes to hang out with his victim's family yeah. members. That seems really great. <laughs> um, one last note on this scene is I really, I have a lot of sympathy for Gabriel. Like, he is told at the end of this that, like, sorry, dude, we couldn't save your people or person. I feel like it's just Nelson who's left. I don't know. I think there was, like, some other unnamed people, but I couldn't quite tell. Yeah. So an undetermined number of persons left behind but he's been like so helpful all season yeah I mean I'll talk about this a little bit more later but I mean I will say yes he helped them last episode or helped them this season last episode he definitely worked against them not intending to but just like everything he did last episode it was like Gabriel what are you doing yeah but I feel I feel like but no I definitely sympathize with him and I want to talk about that a little bit more Later on, yeah. when we kind of get to that main scene. Yeah, I just, in this moment, like, his face, he just, like, it fell, and you could see that he had, like, no hope left, and the way they delivered that, it was like, sorry, dude, it was yeah. very callous. It was, I mean, but it was Murphy, so. I know. That's what I'm saying, Murphy is callous. I know. I felt bad for him. <laughs> I felt bad for Gabriel. I did, too. Um, Clark makes one last-ditch effort to save people in the cryopods, but Russell and Simone aren't having it. To keep them from wiping the sleepers, Clark blows her cover as Josephine and runs off with the mind-wiping fluid. Meanwhile, Raven realizes that she can wipe Shade Head up by destroying the flame. Gaia gives her permission, but before Raven can finish, Russell comes in and takes Maddie. Um, so at the beginning of this scene, Simone scoffs at Clark, who she thinks is Josephine, about her like sudden sentimentality and says she sounds just like her dad and I think she means this as a little bit of an insult oh for sure um you know it was it was very condescending and it was it's not like one of those things where your parents are like oh you sound just like your dad ha 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 I mean like I think she really was like this is not like I am not impressed or like amused by well I don't think she is by no I sentimentality I know I know. She's very, very hard. She's a hard woman. She's a hard lady. I also, like, we're going to have to talk about the Abby of it all. I felt so bad for Clark in this scene. You know, I, I think she was holding on to this, like, one tiny shred of hope against hope that some miraculous way Abby had somehow retained her neural mesh. And then when Russell reveals that he double-checked and it's gone and, you know, Abby along with it, Clark has to like begin the grieving process all over again and she's clearly devastated but you know she's facing these these two murderers yeah. and it's like she you know her hands are tied and it, it was just really emotional um I mean that's that's the whole thing though in this scene I mean I know that they figure it out eventually when she takes the uh the sleeping fluid the wiping fluid but um the fact that they really didn't see it until that moment and not just Russell but Simone too yeah um, I'm like, are you guys blind? Like, Clark was having... I mean, like, Clark is amazing. Yeah, I'm going to bow down to my life-size shrine of Clark over here in the corner. Um, but, you know, she can only do so much. She's still human, and she's had to deal with her mother dying, her daughter being possessed by a demon her yeah. friends are down on earth like you know maybe dying like it's just an evil witch inhabiting her mother's body yeah like there's like, she's there's just so much that she's dealing with that it's like she wasn't keeping it together well she was doing it as best as she could but like you could see the cracks absolutely 
Which is, again, she's fallible. She's a, she's a really well-written character. But I'm just saying, like, the fact that, like, Russell and Simone and none of them picked up on it is still surprising to me. I know Russell loves to deny, you know, the truth. He likes but, to repress. It's true. But still, at yeah. some point. <laughs> I think he does beg credulity, credulity a little bit. I think you're right. Um, but not for much longer because by the end of the scene, it's a moot point. Well, yeah. I mean, like, Simone barely blinks when she finds out Clark is Clark and not Josephine. Like she honestly did not seem affected by it at all, which I feel is a weird turn from how um, much she seemed to love her kid before they brought Josephine back. Like she like would always like grab her necklace. Um, It was like always with her when, you know, uh, Russell came in and was like, we have Clark. Like it was a hard decision for her to make to kill Clark. Like, so it just, it almost feels like they they made her or, like, wrote her as losing a little bit more of your, her humanity um, than I think maybe they should have. Yeah, I also just think, again, it, it begs believability that she would not blink or take a minute when she learns that her, her daughter is really dead. Yeah. I mean, that's really weird. And again, to your point earlier, th- this episode rushed some stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the problem is, like, characters aren't given proper time in this episode and last episode to, like, fully react. Well, just to react, you know? Like, it's just, like, everything is, like, boom, 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 boom. And I don't know if that's the problem with, like, they, you know, did try to slow it down a little bit earlier this season in a way that I appreciated. Um, And then they realized, like, oh, crap, we only have, like, two more episodes left. and We have a lot left to do. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's the case or or what happened. But, like, these last two episodes were just so too fast. Yeah. I mean, this show has – I know it's a new cast of writers, but I think this show has always had an issue sticking the landing perfectly. Yeah. Um, I mean, they they do a really good job, but this is not a bashing session. I'm just saying that, like, of an episode – like, I know how well they can write. I've seen them at their best. Well, and I've and seen I reckon- great season finales from them, too. Right. And this just wasn't one of them. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah. Okay. Um, just kind of going more into the humor side, Raven's City of Light Community College quip. I was like, oh, that's so cute. And Look also, like, joke. this ran from this random dude who I know we saw earlier this season, but, like, Riley 2.0. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but in all seriousness, so Raven's here. She's trying to figure out what to do with Shade Hedda. And she realizes that they can destroy the flame and kill Shade Hedda. But that's apparently the only reason that, or the only way they can get rid of him. And when she, like, verbalized that choice, like, save Maddie, destroy the flame, or keep the flame and Maddie dies, I was like, I literally cheered. Because <laughs> I knew where we were going. I knew the flame was about to be kaput. And um, I was I was very excited by this turn of events. Yeah, I mean, I'm I just I think the remnants of the flame plot of season three have been a hindrance to this show in several variety of ways, and I'm really ready for it to be done. Yeah, you know, I thought maybe last season and going into this season they were gonna do something new with the flame. Um, and I guess you could say Shade Hedda is something new. And I am also guessing that Shade Hedda is not gone from this show. It seems like we're going to get more from him, unfortunately, later. But yeah. I just, they really did not set up Shade Hedda properly. He's 
vastly uninteresting as a villain. Ser- seriously. Um, and I just don't get the point. <laughs> I don't I don't get the point either. Um I think we'll talk about this a yeah. little bit more. So yeah. I don't want to harp on it too much. But I did want to go back to Coding Raven because Coding Raven is the best version of Raven. I like Watching Raven in her element just brings me so much joy. It, it, you know, her sense of confidence, she's grounded in something that she's good at and she's like familiar with. And it's it's genuinely fun to watch. And yeah. I, I miss having fun watching Raven. I miss I her. Too. It was not a great season for her, but I hope, like the last few episodes have given me hope that this will turn around and last season will be you yeah. know, a good one for I feel Raven. like the trajectory we are currently on is in the good and right yeah. direction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Indra says that Shade Hedda was the commander when she was a child, which honestly, guys, it takes away my last shred of hope that Shade Hedda, Cadigan, Dioza were all connected um, because I don't think the timeline works out properly there. And it's devastating to me. It's devastating. I really, really, really feel, and I'm saying this in all seriousness, I'm not joking, I feel like Cadigan as a character as an idea was like really underutilized and maybe that's because jason's trying to save it for like some prequel that he's doing um maybe i'll give him that benefit of the doubt but like they created like a literal cult leader and you're not going to use him more when you easily could have in many ways you know yeah well i also think that like they do have such interesting they bring in so much history into this show without really going into too much detail but like there's just enough of a sprinkling of it where like they could have fit him into the storyline in such an interesting way just as like as like you know fleshing out the history of this world Cadigan should have been Shaytetta I don't understand. Cadigan should have been Shade Hedda's Seda. No I'm not as interested in that because I am then we would never get to actually see Cadigan I feel like Cadigan should have been Shade Hedda. That is this. That's like the what? What were they thinking? Well, obviously, they didn't have you in the writers' room. Clearly, they need me. They did. They in clearly. so many ways. <laughs> um, but how exactly did Shade Hedda gain so much control over the flame? This is another one of those things where I just think they, it was very poorly executed. I don't. We don't have enough information. I don't even want to, like, speculate because, honestly, like, it feels so underwritten and underdeveloped. And it's like, where is Maddie? Is she just, like, sitting in that throne room with the, like, chessboard in front of her just twiddling her thumbs? And, like, are all of the other commanders, like, tied and gagged up in a corner somewhere? Like, I mean, like, they give us so little to work with that, like, it's, I can't even begin to speculate what the fuck's going on here. I don't know. And I just remembered, like, at this exact moment that I had a dream last night that Lexa came back in the mind drive, um, and it was really great. Of course you did. But now, never again. Never again. <laughs> no, that's not happening. Um, so Gaia chose to destroy the flame, which was so, so good, and, like, such a fascinating arc to witness from season four to now. Agreed. Um, Just, you know, her realizing that the flame um, is in many ways a relic of the past. A lot of things that she's been taught are wrong and she really has to like reevaluate her own beliefs and figure out what she truly believes in and what she wants to believe in. And what's important to her and how to prioritize those things. And so her saying no more kneeling to, to Indra, it was just like that moment of Gaia being like, I am not going to worship the flame anymore. I'm also not going to follow someone who doesn't deserve it. Um, like Shade Hedda. And I just, I think this 
bodes well for the grounder society moving forward, yeah. especially though for, for Gaia and Indra. Yeah, I agree. I think it opens a door to have them reconnect in a significant way. I think it, you know, Gaia is always going to be a person of faith and a person who is strong in her convictions, but maybe those convictions and what she believes in can change mm-hmm. and be more um, productive and healthy in the future for her and for her people because she still is a leader in her own right um so I agree I think this is a really good step I'm very happy for her this is seriously like a great arc and I'm very I'm very satisfied with it I also loved Maddie start screaming about how they're all going to burn and you know what I I really think Shadeta and Simone would have gotten along because they really loved burning people (laughs) clearly like they're real into it (laughs) they're like they can be soulmates in heaven yeah Um, I did, I just wanted to go back to this for one second because there is, there is so much plot in this episode. Um, and I feel like one of the ways that they could have whittled this down is to just take out this first coding scene completely. Like I understand, I love that it provides this moment for Gaia Mm -hmm. and this like cute moment for Raven too. But in reality, like this scene, we watch it twice. Um, and it could have been condensed because they do it again at the end before. And I'm just like, I don't know if I needed to watch this happen twice. I understand that it was like a function to build tension and like all these other things. But these writers can be very creative. And I feel like we could have achieved all of these things in a way that didn't literally make me watch the same scene twice True. in one episode. Um, it's not just building tension, though. It's that when Maddie, you know, chooses or like fights Shade Hedda off enough that she can take back control... I think that's when, like, her body starts breaking down. And they don't have time for this, like, moment of reflection that we get to see here in this scene. Yeah, no, I 100% understand. So I'm saying, like, I... If if they had taken this out and just done this at the end, I don't think it would have been as powerful to me as this was here. Like, honestly, I'm much more interested in this than I am in, like, a lot of other stuff happening this episode. So. Yeah, I agree. But I think because they gave this a minute because they allowed this to have a moment and for it to sit and have Gaia sit there and consider and then make a choice after considering if they had given other plots and beats of this episode the same amount of time they could have been more interesting oh I agree I think that the, the I, I'm saying I wouldn't get rid of this scene my idea would just be spread out the action a little bit more or like cut it down simplify you don't need to get so intense there doesn't need to be like 12 twists and turns you know yeah I don't know I just feel like this felt very redundant to me even though I do appreciate all the things that we got out of this scene yeah. I was like oh my god we've, we've watched this twice I mean we didn't really though because they didn't even have the discussion then they just like plugged Maddie in and like went at it you know I know I know they do different things but still Anyway, moving on. Simone and the rest of the Primes track Clark's mind drive to the airlock, where Clark has strapped herself in and threatens to float them all. Simone pretends to be Abby to get Clark on her side, but Clark figures out that it isn't her, and she opens the airlock and floats all the Primes. Russell sees that his family has been killed, and he wants to kill Maddie in revenge, but Shadeheda reveals himself to Russell and convinces Russell to take another path. So, Brit. Yeah. You know that it's a season finale when Clark is standing by another goddamn lever. And pulls it. And pulls it. Yeah. Like, you can't have a season finale of The 100 Without a Lever. I was very confused, though, because it came so early in the yeah, episode. Yeah, it was. It was. I was like, is this 
the lover is this the lover i'm confused the lover tm yeah i was like am i getting two lovers in this episode <laughs> i thought i was like this is really uncharacteristically early in the episode yeah. but it, i mean it is a season finale and it does have to be there um have we ever gotten no we've no. never had a season finale without a lever yes no. or like a button or like something yes. like you big which you have to push or pull or <laughs> yeah. interact with in some way no, jason has like repeated yeah he like tweeted he's like and there's the lever i wonder what the final lever is going to be hopefully it's like a door to closing and clerk going to sleep <laughs> like i'm getting a good night's sleep yeah maybe maybe <laughs> i hope so um so okay simone r.i.p really simone <laughs> You know, despite her being a stone-cold biatch, she was really super cool under pressure. I was very impressed with her this whole last scene. Oh, yeah, that was smooth. She was crawling, clinging to life. She just slid right in there. and <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, she, she saw that Clark clearly had the upper hand, and so she plays the last card she has and uses Clark's own strategy against her. And guess what? It didn't work. It did for a second. It did there, for a second, but, <laughs> but Clark is too smart for you. Yeah. You thought, bitch. I'm sorry, <laughs> but no. Um, it was a weird goodbye for Abby overall. Did you feel that way? Oh my god, yes. Like it was really number, I mean, bizarre. I think it is emotional in that Clark has to watch both of her parents be floated at some point in her life, but. Yeah. And there's the like metaphorical like symbol of like her letting Abby go. Yeah. But I don't know. It was just, it was like super rushed and it was like, like kind of melodramatic, not like dramatic, but like melodramatic. You know what I mean? Like it it just kind of like was like a little silly. Yeah. It was very silly. And I kind of am wondering, like, did they just float Abby as a way to like ensure in like future episodes that like Abby's not coming back? Like, cause she doesn't have a body. I, you know, I'm going to say they, if, if not, they were going to like, kill the primes i think those are like the two options they seem to be playing with i personally um preferred the like removing and destroying the mind drives because i think that would have been an interesting way to do better to like take down your enemies in a way without actually like you know killing them yeah they could i mean and also it's like death is too easy for you yeah like i want you to live and feel your own mortality and have to like get regain all of your feelings and emotions back and have to be human again mm-hmm. and then die. and then die like we all do yeah that just, would have been that would so have much been, more interesting yeah, but i think they just didn't want to deal with the primes much anymore so they killed off as many as they could yeah i mean like literally had to wrap it up they didn't know what to do i think they wrote yeah, themselves into a corner I, I honestly think the writers did not know how to end, end the prime storyline they like really just didn't know yeah. So this is kind of like a half-assed attempt at like ending it, but it doesn't quite feel satisfying to me. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, and then Russell has Maddie, uh, and I'm curious what Russell even wants from Shadeheda. Shadeheda's like, I can give you more. Like, you're sad about your family, but I can give you power and your kingdom back. And quite honestly, like, I don't feel like Russell, like, I don't feel like that's really him. Like, he's always seemed to live for his family. But especially now. Like, he's grieving That's what the I'm loss of his family. Like, for you to, like, come back at him and offer him these things that are infinitely less important. Like, 
I just, I just feel like that I don't a- believe he would have chosen, well, since my family's already dead, I guess I'll go get my kingdom back. Right. right. And I just think that's a disconnect in the writing again, yeah. where they were like, ooh, we'll just put in some really, like, evil rhetoric to show how evil Shade Hedda is and, like, how, yeah. you know you know um like seductive and overpowering he is or whatever but it doesn't really make sense with russell's character yeah i don't know if this is a problem where like they had written more and maybe filmed it but like had to cut pieces or what but it was just kind of like a very abrupt change to me from this scene to when he walks into the mind or to the um cafeteria with maddie yeah i mean speaking of maddie i know russell is grieving and we've noted how psychotic he is but like this is still a child's body yeah you know like your psychopath daughter was hundreds of years old and she had enough time like i'm sorry she's dead and but, like, she was legit murdering babies right. she dude. was she was evil yeah. i just i cannot believe he would actually go through with killing maddie i mean he definitely seems like he would have i just from like a person's point of like as a human myself i'm like watching this and i'm like are you are you serious dude I don't know if he would have or not. I'm guessing probably, yeah. I think he would have. I think that's what the show was trying to indicate. Yeah. I don't know. We'll never really, really know. Really far off his rocker. <laughs> <laughs> Sky Crew finds Jordan being, being brainwashed by the Sanctum Believers. Gabriel wants to go back and save his people, the children of Gabriel, but none of Sky Crew want to go with him until Octavia volunteers, which spurs others in Sky Crew to agree as well. Murphy is reluctant at first, but after some convincing, he agrees to play Daniel Prime one last time. Um, so for a minute here, I legitimately thought Trey was a hallucination. Like, I, I thought Jordan was hallucinating Trey. Why? I'm not sure. Why would he hallucinate some rando? I, I didn't know. I thought, no. like, that was, like, part of the toxin was, no. like, forcing him, to, you know, because like, we saw those hallucinations earlier in the season. Which hallucinations? We saw, like when they were going towards the anomaly like yeah but those weren't randos those were like people well they weren't we random but i just like was assuming that like maybe that there was this was part of the ceremony or like oh, the adjusting yeah, protocol I but i really that. thought he was not a real person at first <laughs> and it's honestly like no wonder that we haven't seen jordan for episodes because he was clearly on this like long drug trip well that's what we think i mean i i think yeah. that he has to have been for several uh several rounds yeah um, but it does, I mean, seem like Jordan would be particularly receptive to this kind of reprogramming just because he has had so little societal interaction in his life. It's yeah. just been him and his parents. And so, like, he really was like this empty vessel waiting to be filled. And unfortunately, it got filled with uh, fanaticism. But Yes. And I also think, like, he comes from, like, his parents are, are very, like, good people by the time that they had Jordan. Yeah. Um, and very committed to doing better. And so I think he, again, is living in a world with very black and white terms and has not been in culture or society or with groups of people long enough to really understand the intricacies and complexities of being human. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for him, things are very still much black and white. And we see that. I think that not only makes him super susceptible to this kind of reprogramming, but it also makes sense why, you know, it, he is willing to still continue to see things in these black and white terms. Like he's talking to Bellamy at the end. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't either. It's <laughs> not down um, for this. <laughs> on like a more like logical level, I'm, I'm a little bit confused. Is the person 
being adjusted drinking their own blood? Is this like a like a like a blood loss makes you weaker and easier to control and like more susceptible or are they drinking someone else's blood? I'm like I was like very confu- confused about the blood. <laughs> I don't think it matters. I think because we saw earlier that they were having Miller and Octavia and uh, Nelson like drinking blood but they had not bloodlet from any of them. So like they were clearly getting their blood from somewhere else. Yeah. Um for Jordan though like you could see all the marks on his skin oh could you I missed that so like all of the people who are under the toxins um effects have these red marks these like three red marks on their um forearms Mm -hmm. and I think what happens is once you ingest the blood and you start going through the um adjustment process yeah they start to blood let you and then they use your blood to indoctrinate other people Maybe. Because they all had these like bright red marks on their arms yeah. and it looked like blood. I mean, I'm guessing it's just the blood. It's like about blood loss um, and not like symbolic in nature. Like it, it seems like blood loss as Simone, you know, the, the most practical one of all of them realized makes you more susceptible to this kind of reprogramming um, is what I'm assuming it is. I mean, maybe, but I also think that it's like maybe the blood isn't as effective with the toxin if it's coming from somebody who is not already being adjusted themselves, like you need that like extra layer of, um, of like, yeah, like poison, poison. Yeah. Basically (laughs) to make it effective. I don't know. Um, yeah. And I, (laughs) I just have to say watching, watching, Octavia wallop Trey oh yeah mid run was like possibly the most satisfying thing I have ever seen in my <laughs> life I was like please son do you know who you are dealing with well it was basically exactly what Clark did to Priya last yeah. episode or two episodes, two episodes ago? ago no last episode was that last yeah it was ago? last episode like it's just like a like a sidearm and just like knocks them out like she it was just really him. great yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was wonderful <laughs> I mean he was so pathetic it was great <laughs> and you know Octavia goes on to say you know Bellamy is questioning why they they can't why they're not accepting the truth if they told them and she says they they can't accept the truth their lives would be meaningless which is an I mean this is such a beautiful line and also I'm so glad that they acknowledged how difficult it would be to convert these people of such strong faith like we discussed last episode Mm -hmm. you know like we we were wondering like is this gonna work even if you tell them the truth point blank like are they gonna believe it and the answer is no yeah well I mean Octavia explaining why she burned the farm was a welcome addition but I was more interested in wondering was she talking about herself or her people um was she talking about the reason that she burned the farm was that her people wouldn't have to accept that their lives mean nothing or was it that she wouldn't oh, have to accept i interpreted it as that she would have to expect ex- ex- yeah. um accept that it meant nothing that it was meaningless for herself that's how i interpreted it too but i thought it was like a little bit open-ended especially given the context of the actual line that their lives would be nothing so yeah I agree I think you know everything is open to interpretation but personally I think the journey she's been on and this like point of self-reflection and like her taking responsibility for everything it makes sense to me that she would mostly be coming at this from like her own I mean I think it makes no sense just given that like it's basically she was so driven to get to the valley that she would do anything to get there because if she couldn't get there then everything she had done up until that point would have been meaningless yeah, in a yeah. way. And I think they said that multiple times last yeah. season. 
Um, so for all of their talk of doing better, there is this real awkward silence when Gabriel asks for help saving his people, which is like, especially after he like just helped them save theirs. Um, like crickets were chirping in the background. It was really awkward. It was horrible. Yeah. I was ashamed, like deeply ashamed of our guys. Yeah. I mean like, especially like Bellamy. Oh my God. Like, I, dude. Oh my God. I mean like, yes, I understand that it's been a lot of really close calls this season, but like, isn't that the life you all lead? And shouldn't that make you a little bit more sympathetic when someone says, I have a person that I have to save? Like you've all been there, man. Also, it's just like. Especially, I mean, like, if Clark had been there, she would have, like, immediately helped. And that's why it means so much to me that Octavia is the first to speak up here. Because, like, she's just, you know, come so far. And she has such a, like, strong sense of responsibility now. Not toward her people, but just toward people. People, right. To make up for the things that she's done in her past. And, and also, like, she's not draw- drawing those lines anymore. Yeah. Those, like, my people, your people. Your, right, like, mine or yours. Yeah. Or, like, whatever. In a way that, like that is like an actual greater step in her like emotional evolution. Like she's actually surpassed everyone else in this room. (laughs) I mean, um, there was a line last season where Octavia tells Bellamy that she wants to fight with him side by side, like it was meant to be. And then he kind of like brushes her off. Yeah. And now here, you know, Bellamy's the one who parrots like, let's fight together side by side, like how it was meant to be. And it's really just like a great callback to last season. Um, It's a great way to kind of like tie up their reconciliation. I don't think they're perfect, but they were, you know, getting there. They were siblings again, you know? Yeah. And they're on like equal footing. And I think even though it, again, I think it's really weird that they made Bellamy not step up and volunteer. I think ultimately it served the function of letting him grit, like garner strength and take strength from Octavia yeah. instead of Octavia taking strength from Bellamy, which is a reversal in their normal roles, mm-hmm. which I do appreciate. Um, so again, I I don't know if this like totally jives with Bellamy's character, but I do think I I do like what they did here. I agree. Ultimately, I very much agree. And I was also like Octavia and Gabriel sitting in a tree. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Yep, the ship's still strong. Um, but I do want to take a minute and discuss the Murphy arc this season. I I am a little disappointed. I'm a little confused. I mean, I guess my question is, like, what was the point of all of these conversa- conversations with Murphy? Trying to get him to, well, first scaring him into yeah. worrying that he's going to hell. And yeah. then also, like, trying to get him to understand that to to get into heaven like you ultimately need to live a moral existence if he was not ultimately going to apply that understanding like in this final moment and ultimately like deny Gabriel any assistance like it felt like he was like I could see where we were going with this and then they were just like left turn yeah I think what they were trying to do is really just show earlier this episode that Bellamy or that uh Murphy was willing to like you know, go after and save his own people. Um, and that was kind of like his moral growth that he like chose to stay back from the, from the ship going up so that he could, you know, save his people, even though there's a lot of danger going on. I don't disagree with you that it was weird. It's, it just like felt like if we were going to take that step forward, why wouldn't we just go all the way? I mean, this felt like a half step in in a way that like, I wanted him to take a full step and not just for my own personal satisfaction, but like, I feel like as a character, I'm really tired of him like wobbling and I want him to, to actually commit one way or another. 
Well, I think next season we'll probably see that. Well, um, I mean, sorry, not to cut you off, but I was just going to say, I, I mean, ultimately, like, I feel like this is even further complicated because Amori does volunteer. Like, she steps up to the plate. You know, she's now so far ahead of Murphy oh, yeah. morally that, like, I don't even understand why she still wants to be with him. Like, he is suddenly, like, I have never, he has never been less attractive to me than he was in this scene. Yeah, I mean, I... I have thought for a while that Amori deserves better than Murphy. Um, I I mean, I like seeing them together because they're a fun couple. They are. But I don't... I, I do feel like Amori is beyond Murphy in many ways. She's outgrown him. And I am now... Like, this is beyond the point of me being like, well, you know, the show just hasn't had time to do it. Like, these are really significant active choices in these season finales. And, like... The idea of them, like, not letting Murphy grow, even incrementally alongside with her, is very disconcerting to me. And, like, and then also to have her kiss him as if, like, she's still okay with this. Yeah, I, I mean, was like, whoa. I think that if he had, you know, because I, th- I, I think it makes sense, and it will always make sense, that Murphy would first turn that down. I don't think Murphy's going to be the person who would ever immediately be like, okay, let's do this. Sure. Um, But what I didn't like was... Then Amori volunteers, and Gabriel's like, no, no, you can't. It has to be Murphy, and then Murphy is the one who steps up and does it. I would have, I don't know, maybe liked it better if, like, Amori volunteers, and they're, like, getting ready. Murphy's like, no, no, I'll do it. That's what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. That's what I wanted to happen. In no world was I going to expect Murphy to be like, oh, you need a hero? Let me sign up. (laughs) Um, But I thought, you know, even if it is just to ultimately save his own people, meaning Amori, that he would have at least been like yeah no I'm gonna take the bullet for you yeah because I don't want you to be in danger but he doesn't <laughs> I mean I guess we'll see where he goes next season um because I I did agree that number one I don't feel like he has atoned for what he's done and I don't know if he ever will um but I I hope he does I hope that's what he spends next season doing I know that we can't have every character be a good character like be a good person yeah but um I do feel like we can have every character be the best version of themselves at the end, you know? And right. I think Murphy could do better than he's doing. And I also, like, characters are only interesting if they're dynamic and learning and growing. Yeah. And, like, his static nature of his character arc is supremely uninteresting to me. Or at least very frustrating. Yeah. Well, we do hear, as he, like, leaves, he says, being a god should be more fun than this. And I've heard from Jason that next season, I, I have personally heard, Jason called me up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> he has your phone number on no, speed dial. I, I read in an interview that Jason says that Murphy will get a much stronger view about what it's like to be a god next season. And it's going to be, like, kind of fun, but also, like, really disturbing. And I think Murphy's really going to see um, the next season, like, that this is not the life he wants and that he really just wants to like be happy with Amori and hopefully to like live the best life that he can. Um, I think, I, I, I think next season will be good for him. I I have to hope. Yeah, I hope so. Clark comes into the mess hall where Gaia tells her that Russell took Maddie. Clark starts crying, believing that he's going to kill her, but suddenly Russell and Maddie come into the mess hall themselves with the entire one crew army at their back. Clark threatens her own life to get Maddie to come back to her, and once she does, Russell is taken captive and the flame is destroyed. However, somehow Shadeheda manages to escape the computer they dumped his code into and disappears. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So before we get into all of it, I just wanted to call out, Raven makes this funny joke about how irritated she is with the Allegis ship, (laughs) which just is a way of me pointing out that she was really funny in this episode. Well, she's irritated that they're competent. Yeah. (laughs) She's irritated at how good they are and how it's like holding her up for a minute. Um, It's very funny. And I, I really love when Lindsay Morgan gets to exercise her humor chops, yeah. her comedy chops. Like, it's so great. Yeah. Um, I, I really enjoyed this scene, especially because Clark's people have never seen her lose it like this. Mm-hmm. Like, she really only allows herself to be vulnerable with Abby and Bellamy uh, for the most part. And so I, I, I kind of wonder if... You know, seeing this will allow them to see that Clark is vulnerable, too, and maybe, like, go a bit easier on her. Yeah. I also think it's super interesting that she just, like, it. this isn't, I mean, not that it would be, but, like, this is not a political move. Like, she's not trying to manipulate somebody. Like, yeah. This is coming, this is such genuine fear and primal terror that, like, it's impossible not to sympathize with her. Like, you would have to be dead inside yeah not to want to reach out and comfort her and so ultimately i feel like it serves that function without ever having for ever having for her to like make active like apologies and like go on like some kind of like you know yeah i just want them to see that clark is a person who makes mistakes but also like really cares about people you know (laughs) yeah i mean i i just want them to love her the way i do too do we think here that Clark would have actually pulled the trigger and killed herself? Or was this just a ruse? Oh, I think she absolutely would have pulled the trigger. Really? I don't think she would at all. And I'm saying that because I think that as long as Maddie, as long as her body was still there and there was like still a hope somehow of getting Maddie back, Clark would never just like let herself leave. I guess that's true. Okay. I can be convinced. I'm easily <laughs> convinced. Um, I did want to call out, I'm really glad that she'd had a quoted Lexa in this scene I feel like this was I mean ultimately we wanted Lexa to be mentioned in some yeah. way or another in this episode so I'm glad that she was um but I do feel like this was like the final key piece that like we as a fandom like needed to get closure on that storyline I just feel like we have we really needed to like button that up <laughs> yeah I don't know for me the best closure was last season when Maddie you know was saying that Lexa is showing me all of these things so that I can pass this message message along to you um to show you that like love is important and emotions are important and you should like listen to that you know mm-hmm. like I I loved that and that really I think brought the Lexa Clark um story full circle to me this just feels like a little bit extra yeah. Um, I mean, it's nice to have the reminder that, again, you know, all the commanders view love as weakness except Lexa, who views love as strength. And she sees Clark as strong because Clark loves so deeply and cares so much about her family, her friends, and her people, and just, like, the world in general. Yeah, I mean, like, we have progressed so far from where we started in Season 3 that, like, we clearly see here that, like, Matt, it's not just Clark's love. Yeah. It's Maddie's love for Clark is her greatest strength. And yeah. that's what ultimately saves her. Yeah. Love it's, is strength, guys. It's so great. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> um, Clark, though, glaring at Russell as she hugs Maddie is gold. <laughs> I loved her, like, little look she shot him over Maddie's shoulder. Like, this is my kid. Yep. Get away. <laughs> so great. Um... So Maddie is back, but she's still not free because Shadehead is still in there. And we see in Maddie's mind that Shadehead, like, throws Maddie onto a table. And he's like, we could have given birth to a world in our image. And it's like, honestly, 
does anyone want a world in Chinhetta's image? Because, like, white boy cornrows. <laughs> yeah, no. And also, this is, again, the kind of, like, I am the evil villain rhetoric where I'm just like, yeah. why? What is your motive? Like, why, why do you want this? I'm yeah. just constantly, like, you have no depth to you. You are a literal cartoon of yeah, a bad you're guy. you're a cartoon villain. Yeah. It's, ter- it's not great. No. And I am confused by this if... Shadehead is going to come back next season. We can kind of like skip forward a little bit. And I just want to talk about the fact that Shadehead disappears. Yeah. Um, he's gone from the computer. And it seems quite likely that he is somehow in the anomaly at this point. Um, I think, you know, I think, I don't know how he managed to beam himself away. <laughs> beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> but, but like we know the anomaly picks up signals um, and just kind of circles them around. So I'm assuming that they picked up his as well. But like why like why is the hundred making this character their villain for next season and that's what it seems like to me i guess i'm not sure i would agree with you we could be really wrong we've been really wrong in the past i um but we know that we haven't seen the last of him jason said that and it's like if you were going to set up like a bigger story arc for this next season like why wouldn't you have layered in some complexity this season like what 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 was the point of Shaitata? Honestly, I, I hate don't it. know. I have no idea. Um, Raven, it's Raven, right? Who says once more with feeling? Yeah. Um, was this a direct reference to Buffy? No. the The once more with feeling Buffy episode is a is a line um from musicals of like yes, you know you know, you've been I, practicing. I understand what the what the phrase is. Oh, I thought you were like saying like Buffy originated it. No, no. No, but I just it you know I feel like there's a lot of like buffiness. Yeah, maybe in this show. I think the strong female character. I think Buffy and Clark have a lot of similarities. The way that they like take on responsibility and care for others. Oh yeah, there's we've, a lot of DNA there. We've discussed that before many times. So no, I just, I'm sure that's, that's I just like that's the likely idea that yeah. they like were referencing. This is also sorry guys if you haven't watched Buffy. This is a very famous, very well done episode. Um, it's the musical episode that is of Buffy. A musical episode. Yeah. Um, and it's the title of the episode is Once More with Feeling. So I was just, I thought maybe that was a cute little reference to I'm, Buffy. I, you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the writers in that room had worked on Buffy at one point. Oh, maybe. I'm not, I'm not sure, but yeah. Maybe. Um, this is a knit that I'm going to pick, <laughs> but I'm sorry. Why didn't Jackson use the knife in the first place? Like, he's a medical professional, Clark. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know why they, like, gave Clark the scalpel. Like, Clark... I mean, not that Clark couldn't do it, because I think no, Clark she, had some sort of training from her does. mom. But, like, Jackson's the literal doctor here. Well, I think what was supposed to be happening is that it was supposed to demonstrate how distraught Clark was. Oh, no, was. I get that. But, like, it was so ludicrous that she had the scalpel in the first place. Like, it was real dumb. Yeah, it, it was... It was a little ridiculous. Um, but I did love this scene for how it paralleled Bellamy trying to wake up Clark earlier this season. Like she was like literally saying like, come back to me and I can't lose you, which is what Bellamy said to Clark. And it was just a nice little, um, interplay there of how they, they staged these two things. Yeah. And how they, you know, feel about each other. Yeah. Um, it's very informative. I also, so are you saying that means that Bellamy sees Clark as his daughter? No, I'm just saying there is a depth of feeling there that is similar. Uh, no, I do not think that they share any kind of familial love for each other. 
Um, Just this platonic love. Platonic yeah. romance. I did want to say how good Eliza's acting was. It deserves to be called Ugh. out. I mean, the way she choked out the words, I just lost my mom. I can't lose you too. It was just pitch perfect. Like her voice hitched in this really heart-wrenching way. I, I started crying. I mean, it's not hard to, to make me cry, but, yeah. but it was beautifully done. I mean, Clark, I mean, Eliza this whole season was amazing Give as Clark as Josephine as Clark playing Josephine as Josephine playing Clark it was all so good and then playing Clark but like a uh, a different Clark like yeah. a Clark who has learned some lessons yeah like an evolving Clark yeah it was a really great season for Eliza someone give this girl an Emmy <laughs> um I just a couple more things I did want to say watching them pull the flame oh. out of Maddie was real gross was real gross it just like the the strings kept coming and i was just like Ugh. yeah it just didn't end and i was just like oh my god that was in her tiny yeah. little brain so well it wasn't in her brain i think it was in her like spinal cord well, whatever it was so deep though she yeah. just had to like pull oh god um and then the most serious thing we wanted to talk about this scene is the raven and clark con- uh, reconciliation in that I'm glad that they hugged, but I do not approve of this as a reconciliation. And I am going to second that motion approved. I I was not pleased. It's not this this isn't okay. This is not enough. I think this is going to be enough. The show's not gonna give oh, us more. Yeah, no, we're done. But like I was actually watching a couple of the scenes um earlier this season between Raven and Clark, and it's just like they have much more to talk about than just like a nice hug. Like they they really needed to have like a, a real moment and raven needs to apologize like i think the some of the things she says were just out of line um and i again love raven and i think clark is to blame in a lot of ways but raven wasn't blameless and i don't think like in fact when they hug and Raven said, I'm sorry. Like the first part she said, I'm sorry. And I was like, me and you both were like, right. yes. Yeah. And then like, as we it were was saying, like a yes, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> as we were saying, yes, she finished this with, I'm sorry about Abby. And it's like, oh no, 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 no. That's not what you need to be apologizing for. I mean, like that's rough. That sucks. But <laughs> well, yeah, I mean it, the way that the, they staged this, it makes it seem this is a conciliatory, conciliatory hug, like a, a hug of consolation. Like, Raven is hugging yeah. Clark out of consolation. Like, I'm so sorry you lost your like, mom. Like, of grief and mourning. And, like, as a way of being, like, I I was, de- I deeply cared about her, too. And I loved her. Maybe not as, like, her daughter, but which as is, family. Is which necessary. is necessary. Absolutely valid. And honestly, like, fits very well into what's happening right now. However, but. that was <laughs> so far less important than the reconciliation that I wanted for them yeah. that it felt really empty and like unrewarding mm-hmm. yeah not pleased not pleased and again this is like another way in which the show just does not always deliver on some of the like things that they set know, up set up yeah. earlier in the season like they just don't always go all the way through it properly yeah, I think sometimes they do. Sometimes they and do. Sometimes they don't. And with Raven and Clark, I just I don't love how this ended up. Um, I am really curious to see how they you know interact next season, but I, I feel like it's gonna be copacetic from this point on between them. Well, yeah, and I also think like, I mean, I know we talked about this last episode, but like, I think that also is a good indication that like the Murphy and Clark reconciliation scene is also like 
yeah they're fine mm-hmm. which like i'm not okay with either of those nope. things nope <laughs> i i don't i'm like i was trying to decide which one i'm less okay with it's raven i don't know why but it's raven i for i me. think murphy's the one that they should have more of a reconciliation right. just because he like literally tried, tried to, to kill, kill her. her but emotionally i wanted it more with raven and i also <laughs> think that like there is something far more at stake than just like Clark losing friendships with either of them or like maybe not being as have a rich friendship with either of them because like having Clark forgive Murphy is like different than Clark and Raven as two female characters like no longer fighting with each other and like infighting I mean there's like this like weird sort of like feminine femininity to their quarrel and I don't love the like connotation of it you know it just like kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth yeah I mean you know this was written by a man this was written by Jason and I I feel like maybe if this had been written by a woman we'd get a little bit more between the two of them yeah I mean it just kind of felt like they were cat fighting all season and I don't like it and I was so upset about the way that Raven was treating Clark earlier I think because I in, partially in fear that we were not going to get the proper reconciliation yeah. I was worried at the time that like we were not going to do all the necessary steps to correct this and this I is think why for me the reason that I was so upset was because I knew that Clark would just take it and she wouldn't like defend herself at yeah. all and it's like you know I've said so many times like I think Clark has a major culpability here but like she won't defend herself for the reasons that she maybe is being treated worse than she should. Yeah, no, and I mean, she So does. I, like, have to defend her for her. <laughs> Clark has a PR problem. Yeah. <laughs> is, is really the issue. <laughs> um, but I guess that's that. Yeah. Maybe we'll see next season. Who knows? Maybe next season will be, like, just a continuation of what's been happening, and we'll get all of those great things. Maybe. Fingers crossed. Maybe. But I won't hold my breath. Not holding my breath. <laughs> So on the ground, Murphy and Gabriel talk their way into the tavern where the adjustment protocol is taking place, while Bellamy, Echo, and the rest of Sky Crew fight over the Sanctum people outside the tavern. Octavia is forced to take down a burning Tory to save the tavern, and in doing so, she reveals a tattoo of strange lettering on her back that Gabriel says is the language of the anomaly. Octavia realizes she has to go back to the anomaly if she wants to know what this tattoo means. We have to go back. We have to go back. Um, nice lost reference there for yeah, you guys. Yeah, I was just going to say, there's a lot of lost here. Um, so just to, again, nitpick with some of the like plot shenanigans here, I am a little confused why the plan like hinges on Murphy dosing himself again. I do not understand why he needs to dose himself. I was a little confused. The reason I think... I think he chooses to in this scene is because he doesn't want to talk to Zev, who clearly was Daniel's lover and is, like, confused as to why Murphy, you know, doesn't remember. Although maybe they actually planned to go in as, like, a Murphy because, like, quote-unquote Daniel's um, resurrection went wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe he has to, like, take some of this, this red sun toxin to, like, find his memories again. Like, maybe that was, like they like part of the plan yeah part of the plan and like also in doing so 
the other people in that tavern would like let their guard down because Murphy and Gabriel were incapacitated. Maybe that makes sense to me. I'm just like it was I not clearly. I don't think it was like he made he could have made it up on the fly because they like had him take the antitoxin before. So well, it could have just been like a just in case. But I don't know. I mean, I I think the whole thing was like not quite executed as clearly as it could. Yeah, have been. it wasn't very clean. Um, I genuinely don't understand why Echo's like, as soon as someone knocks on that door, they'll know we took the tavern. Like, I, I, I like, tried to think out what the hell she's referring to, and yeah. I cannot figure out what is happening. Yeah, I mean, again, we sound like a broken record here, but there's a lot of plot. Oh my god, I just figured it out. What is it? <laughs> okay, wow. I really thought about this for so long, and I could not figure it out. No, okay, what she's saying is... She thinks that Murphy and Gabriel are going to pretty pretty quickly, like, take down the people in the tavern and, like, take back control of the tavern. Uh-huh. So when one of the, like, gnolls outside knocks on the door, they realize that, like, Murphy and Gabriel are in control. Oh, so you're saying the knock is coming from inside the house. No, the knock is coming from outside the tavern. Because there was, like, a bunch of, like, gnolls outside the tavern who mm-hmm. were all religious fanatics or in some way. Yeah. And so, like, if Gabriel and Murphy took control of the tavern and like knocked out like Zev and whoever else was in there, Tori, whatever. Then if one of the gnolls tried to come into the tavern, they'd realize this and realize they'd been set up. Is that making sense to you? That makes sense. I think it's pretty complicated. <laughs> I mean, the fact that it took me this long, maybe, maybe we're just like overthinking it and it shouldn't have been this complicated. But no, I mean, I don't think it is. I think since hard. we did, we couldn't figure out what the plan was. Yeah. It was, the plan, I just think there's like a lack of communication and execution here. It needed to be clearer. Yeah. It's very sloppy. I love the moment though. Um, I love, you know, they're all sitting on top of this, you know, roof watching the gnolls and Echo's like, oh, you know, there's like a lot if we have to fight them. It's like 30 on three and Octavia's like, you know, I think we can take them. And it's just this really great moment of like Octavia being like, I am a badass and I recognize that you two are a badass and we're both badasses together and we can like totally handle this because we're awesome. And it was just, it was really nice. Yeah, I <laughs> know. Again, it's, it's so great. And it was funny. I mean, I love when Octavia is funny. She's like, I think we can take him. Yeah, you know, I, I, <laughs> it's also sorry to cut you off. It was like Bellamy was also standing there, and it's like, no, no, we don't even need him. <laughs> um, I, I just, I wish we would get more moments like this where female characters actually get to have storylines together before they're like cute little quips. Like I, I feel the same way with Raven and Clark. Like, you know, we have some great moments between women. You know, some nice stuff between Echo and Amori. This great little thing between Octavia and Echo here. But I just feel like in the last couple of years, really, we have not had strong. Um, well, maybe that's maybe maybe just this year. We haven't had a very strong like female female plot line. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, last year I guess we got the Echo Raven stuff, which I really liked. Yeah, I did love that. That was wonderful. But that's just one. I mean, yeah, of, of I, a lot of different relationships and a lot of different characters to balance. And I think, in general, a trend that I've noticed now in this episode particularly is like I just I just want more female. Centric. Yeah, I mean, like I I you know. I love the male characters on this show, but also, like, fuck the male characters. I just want to hang out with the women. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm Speaking of humor, I very much enjoyed Murphy's quip about it being too bad that Zev, 
you know, was incapacitated or died. <laughs> he was like, he was a good kisser. It's too bad. I'm like, honestly, I think this is Murphy bisexuality confirmed. I actually <laughs> think he's pan. I like really, pan? I really, I think we've talked about this before. Yeah, I really maybe. don't think Murphy gives a shit what the, is the vessel. I, I love that. We've never seen that before. No, I don't. But I like for my own headcanon purposes, like I really feel like Murphy's I pan. mean, it's hard to not see him as pan when he's in this like get up. You know? Yeah, no, I just think he's, like, into, like, whatever. Like, whatever you are, he's down. I, uh, am not sure I would have seen that before this scene. Just because, I almost feel like he's so, like, singularly sexual when it comes to Amori. We've never seen him interact that way with anyone else except maybe Raven, which I guess the show again wants us to think is platonic but <laughs> really strange definition yeah. of platonic um, but I, I loved it yeah it was I, fun. I, I wouldn't mind if Murphy wants to keep this get up I'm, I'm into it it's very distracting for me he needs to take it off immediately he can keep the guy liner but like everything else needs to go um so Tori yeah Tori needs to take a chill pill uh, Tori to like clear uh, the air if you guys don't know is the one who was initially like you know, handing out the choice, like drink or die. She's like the She's de facto the leader, leader yeah. of the of the of the adjusters, the, the, the fanatics. Yeah. Uh, but Tori is a little nuts. She's like literally about to burn her own people. Even Sev, who's helping her. I know. I was thinking about that. It's like you locked your own people in there. Yeah. For no reason. Like she couldn't just like be like, hey, psh, 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 come over here for a second, and then like rip them out and then close the door. I mean, beyond that, I mean, like, does Tori win the most dramatic exit award on this show for lighting herself on fire? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was a bit much. And also, I had to watch two people burn this season. Yes, like, you that did. was like a bit much for me. That was like a lot too much for Tori. <laughs> oh my god, she's just so fucking dramatic. I I mean, this whole scene was a little dramatic because, I mean, actually, it was very dramatic because um, we, from the very beginning, it, like, starts off with this, like, sudden rock music with, like, electric guitar. Yeah. And it's like, we've never heard electric guitar in the show before, so it was, like, a little bit jarring to We me. have several times nothing of note, though, and I think that the way that they they cut the um, exogenic m music in this scene... Mm -hmm was really jarring I agree with you I also noticed that and I think it was just they went from like a lot of people talking and there being a lot of dialogue and a lot of other like random like people talking in the background to like it being just music it was a very very sharp cut off when did we actually have electronic guitar in this show before I can't remember off the top of my head but I feel very confident that we have I feel equally as confident that we hadn't. I will look this up and okay, we can yeah. decide later. I mean, I shouldn't go against you with music, but no, like, no. I feel like I would have noticed that. I don't think you would notice it. Electric really guitar is just such a different vibe than the show usually gives. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they use it often. Um, this is not including guys, um, actual songs that they use. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. But, but like as a, like yeah. again, exegetic music. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> Also, there is a very cute joke that plays out in this scene. Um, it's for, it first starts between Murphy and Gabriel, like, competing to finish off 
each of their one bad guy <laughs> and then it builds and pays off in the next sequence when they finally walk outside and see that the rest of like and by the rest of them I mean literally Echo and Octavia <laughs> have taken out 30 people and as Murphy says he just calls them a show off like that's really great comedic rating yeah. and I know I've been harping on the comedy a lot because I really do appreciate it in sh- drama shows like this that are often so heavy and so serious mm-hmm. that they can like also do comedy like and also I think it's fun for the actors to be able to do yeah. it too to be fair Murphy definitely had more than one he took out Zev and then he took out some other guy you yep. gotta give him that maybe he got two, two. <laughs> <laughs> okay um so now they all like took down everyone they're all unconscious around them bellamy does say though that some people from sanctum escaped and i'm like wondering if this is going to be a point next season like are they gonna start their own like reverse children of gabriel like um like like children of russell you know (laughs) russell's kids russell's kids (laughs) (laughs) i love it also and i know this. No, like that was a real question do you think they are oh I mean, I mean, like the joke was there, but like also, yes, are yes, we gonna I, see these people again? Yes, we're gonna see these people again. We for know sure. that the the whole God plotline isn't dead, so I wonder. Well, right. I mean, they said with Murphy, like that's gonna come yeah. into a play. I feel like that's gotta be part of it. You think? Yeah. Okay. I do. Um, and I was gonna say, like, I know, I know, this isn't the point of this scene, but like Gabriel checking out Octavia's back tattoo was super sexy, and I was real into it. Well, he he like just touches. He, he's so gentle. Oh yeah, and he just like. And he's, like, almost afraid to touch her. Like, I don't want to touch her without your permission. It's nice. It was great. Um, I ship it. (laughs) I'm, like, trash for this ship. Yeah, I ship it real hard. Especially since Octavia and Nyla haven't been together for pretty much all season. Yeah. Um, It's just, like, nice to have this other outlet to ship because Riker and Raven went nowhere. Exploded (laughs) in front of my face. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But this tattoo. Yeah. Is where the episode honestly got exciting for me. Really? I was like, what? The symbols are back. We talked about them earlier this season. Um, they're definitely the symbols in the opening theme and the opening credits this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also seem to be the same symbols as uh, the mind drives. When we saw the mind drive coding up on the screen um, before they erased the Lees, it looked like it was like those anomaly symbols. Or at the time, I thought they were just like mind drive language, but. It apparently is the language of the anomaly, and I am really, really excited by this, and I can't wait to see, you know, to find out where this code comes from and what it means. Yeah, I mean, and that's super cool. I'm very excited, and I think it also confirms that this is the inciting incident that, like, first made Gabriel obsessed with the anomaly 150 years ago. Yeah, the discovering of the... uh, Of the anomaly stone. Yeah, which we will get to in just a second the, yes. the stone quote unquote the stone <laughs> um and one last note on this because it's important i deeply appreciate that octavia is the one to come to terms with the fact that she has to go into back into the anomaly i feel like feel like this is the kind of like active character choices that i want for our characters like i don't want i don't want like gabriel to tell her like you have to go back and yeah. get this and for her to be like yeah you're right i i much 
prefer the way they did it, which is like Octavia coming to this realization herself and making her choice but for her. Well, yeah. I mean, she had chosen earlier this season to not figure out what happened to her in the anomaly. She chose to like explore her backstory and like come to terms with her past, which was so necessary and so important for how her story played out for the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. And now, now that she's kind of like saved her people, saved her brother, she's able to like say, okay, now I would like to know what happened to me while I was, you know, gone for seconds and or years. Question mark, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I loved it. And I, you know, am actually really excited by this cliffhanger in a way that you aren't. So we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. And that, I mean, I'm excited. I'm exci- I I was really into this part of the episode, okay. I will say. Okay. Like, I was very much on board. <laughs> so the suns rise on a damaged sanctum and the bodies of the dead. The space group has come down from the mothership, and they reunite with the people they left behind. Clark asks Bellamy to assure her that, it was, that doing better was worth what they'd lost. And later, a team goes to Gabriel's camp, and he shows them an ancient metal sculpture with symbols matching Octavia's tattoo. He presses the corresponding symbols to the tattoo, and suddenly, the anomaly expands, engulfing Gabriel's tent. (laughs) A fully grown hope comes out and stabs Octavia, who disappears into green smoke while Bellamy screams for her to come back. Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot to talk about. Yes. Um. In these two scenes, uh, let's start at the beginning, which uh-huh. is literally a new day. Nothing like a good dawn metaphor. Nothing like a good double sunrise. <laughs> so great. <laughs> uh, and like Gabriel is like practically elbowing people aside to get to the anomaly. Oh yeah. He's like a kid who just just told he's going to Disneyland. He's like, you can say hi, but don't forget we're leaving for the anomaly like in five minutes. Right. <laughs> we are staying on schedule. Yeah. He's he's very strict. <laughs> Um, so Jordan, as we mentioned, is brainwashed, unpleasantly so, and I honestly just, like, don't want this storyline next season. Yeah, I have less than zero interest in this storyline. I think this is kind of, you know, I, I, I could have loved Jordan. I don't hate Jordan. No, I, I didn't really do much with Jordan. No, I just feel very disappointed with the Jordan, Jordan plotline in general, like, what an underutilized character. And I really, really just hate brainwashing as like a as a storyline in general. Yeah, I'm very bored by it. Oh, I'm just like really uncomfortable by it. I don't I don't like it. I don't like people who have like been manipulated into believing something, you know? But yeah, like, I don't like it. And I'm also kind of expect more from this show. I, I think it's really uninteresting to have a character not in control of their faculties because then they're ultimately not responsible for slash are not making the kind of choices that I ultimately want to see <laughs> our characters doing, you know? Yeah, I mean, we'll see where this goes because next season's the last season. So, like, we're going to have to wrap this up, you know? Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, know, I don't know how Jordan's going to get from point A to point B. I don't know if he's going to, like, outthink his brainwashing or if he is going to kind of end up in a completely new place that we haven't seen before you know not not brainwashed not you know this little fresh nubile innocent boy you know boy man yeah who who stepped out of the ark like maybe he will end up something different entirely i really think he just needs to find himself you know yeah absolutely it's very hard to do that though when you've been programmed yeah i know i that's why i hate it i know i'm with you I did love Bellamy's response to Jordan when he was getting all snippy, when he's, like, accusing Bellamy of getting Priya killed. And Bellamy was like, no, the truth got Priya killed. Because any other version of this is just, 
It's not true. And no. I think it's important to place blame where it belongs. Yeah, I was like, that is not at all what happened. And I <laughs> love when Bellamy defends himself and like uses logic and it just it it was it was necessary. It needed to be said. Also, the truth got her killed is just a really powerful it line. It is. It was a great fucking line. Yeah. It's great. I love the way we've played with truth this season. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, I know. It's it's been a journey. You know what else has been a journey? No. Bellark. <laughs> I can't. And Bellark hugging, like, literally framed by the sunrise, like the romantic pairing that they are. I mean, it was, it was the exact same scenes from Pride and Prejudice. It was exactly <laughs> the same. I just, I, I don't know, man. And I, I, I mean, I just, okay. So I love this reversal that they did with Bellark from season two finale when Clark had told Bellamy she was leaving and he was like offering her forgiveness, but she didn't want it then. But now she's begging him for forgiveness. And like, that is growth. That is beautiful. And I appreciate it. Well, it's beautiful. I mean, like, I don't, I don't know if I'd call it growth. It's definitely change. Yeah. Growth in one direction. I, I, I don't know if it's positive or negative change though. So yeah, I, I, I don't wouldn't know be able to say growth, but I, I just, I, I guess I would clarify and say that I think this is shows a level of vulnerability and um, um, indication from Clark that she wants to stay present with the group in a way that she was like very isolated before. And in that sense, that is positive growth. Yeah, for me, this is really more of just Clark and Bellamy being able to like console each other and understand each other's choices on a different level than anyone else in this show. Sure. Um, like this really did feel similar in many ways to the knocking on heaven's door scene at the end of season two mm-hmm. um, that I loved. But I, I, I think this one in many ways, I wouldn't say it's better because honestly that might be my favorite scene of the show. Yeah, I don't no, know. I don't but think you need to add like a, no, but I'm just saying I, I really loved what this scene did, which was um, Bellamy telling Clark like, we did do better and I have to believe that that matters Mm -hmm. somewhere somehow it matters that we tried our best to save people you know yeah no it's really important and I I mean I think that might be the thesis of the show I know Jason said that we haven't gotten to that yet because he said that we haven't really ultimately explored what the consequences and the moral lesson of this show is but I, I think that's really what it is for me anyway yeah I mean it could be nice. I don't think we're going to do this. And you probably would hate this. Actually, you would definitely hate this. Aww. But, like, to, like, really, like, hammer in the theme of, like, doing better really does matter. Um, seeing, like, it, it through the anomaly, like, parallel universes where, like, they made different choices. And, like, seeing how, like, different choices would have played out could be really interesting. Again, it's not going to happen. No, it's <laughs> not going to happen. And it's not that I would hate that. I'm just, like, ultimately uninterested in that. Yeah. I... I Whenever equate this line, we did do better. I have to believe that matters to a line from Angel, which is a spinoff of Buffy. Um, and in Angel, he's going through this time where he kind of is starting to question whether there really is any like greater plan to the things that are happening and all the bad things that happen. Like if there's a reason for it, and he comes to realize that like if there isn't a reason, if these things just happen then all that matters is what you do in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the exact quote is, if nothing we do matters, then all that matters is what we do. Yes. And I, I really like that idea that like, you know, y- you might never reach a point where someone claps you on the back for like doing 
you know, the best that you can, but it still matters, you know, it, it still matters just because, you know, we, we only have right here in this moment to like live our lives and to be people, the best people that we can, the best neighbors, the best caretakers of the planet. Um, and we can choose to do bad. We can choose to do good. And it matters just in a grand scale of things, just, you know, saving people, saving the planet, but it also just matters on a personal level to just the kind of person that you want to go out as at the end of your life, you know? Yes. That was a big, uh, I, you (laughs) almost brought me to tears. That was beautiful. (laughs) I I would have just kept listening to you. Um, Let's just go do a little joke here. Yeah, and my let's joke do is that. that. <laughs> why are Echo and Jackson hugging? I like you got so stuck on this, and I was just like, I'm just glad everyone's happy. <laughs> They've met like three times. I don't know. I feel <laughs> fine with it. I feel fine with it. They probably bonded in the tavern, maybe. Um, but I did love we get a like explicit Echo Amori moment where they reunite. Of course, Bellark is in the background sure. at the same time, and Echo is busy. But I I did really love all of the little moments we got with them this season and I hope that next season we actually get to see them interact what a concept <laughs> Wild, like not right? just like loving on each other which is fine yeah. but also I want more <laughs> um so the anomaly we are at the anomaly and Gabriel it turns out has literally been living on top of some fucking anomaly stone that just comes out of nowhere yeah I I thought we were, like, going to the anomaly, but then he, like, opens up his, like, little trap door and his goes hatch? down. Yeah. His little hatch and goes down and there's this, like, big swirly metal thing. And I'm like, eh? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm also wondering, like, is this one of the blind observations they were using earlier this season or is this, like, totally unrelated? I think it's totally unrelated. Okay. I think he, like, built this, like, little hatch for the anomaly stone and then built the camp on top of it. Either that or they just found like a random hatch with the anomaly stone underneath it. Yeah, you know? that's what I was wondering. It could be that. It could be like the lost hatch, you know? Yes. Um, it's possible. I don't think it was an observation blind by any means. But like a hatch. I feel like the hatch existed as well as the stone. Maybe. I don't know. It's it's not clear if they just found the stone and wanted to keep it safe or, yeah. you know, if it was already there. It's not really important. Uh, it really. I mean, we might find out. We might not. But whatever the case may be, there is a stone. And it's not really a stone, quote unquote. It's like uh, it's like metal or like it's a know. sculpture. It's definitely a sculpture. Um, and it looks I mean, like it's a spherical sculpture. It's like that damn near inescapable Fibonacci spiral again. It is. Um, and I'm questioning, like, is that why the spiral has been used so much in the sanctum design? Or is this just like a fun Easter egg from the set designers? You know, I think it's a fun Easter egg from the set designers because we've They've been here, like, Sanctum existed long before they discovered the Anomaly Stone, right? Yeah, but if you think about it, they've been here, like, a little over 200 years, Mm -hmm. and they discovered the Anomaly Stone 150 years ago, so they theoretically would still be building Sanctum at that time, because they still had to really, like you know figure out first how to bring people back to life, and then, like, they did. Well, and I also think, too, that, like, the the stone affects the anomaly and the anomaly is the one that's like making all these kind of spiral patterns around and so that could have also just influenced their architectural design so yeah maybe they're they're related in some way i i liked it um and apparently the stone is they assume what's sucking up the radio signals yeah so how and why (laughs) beats me i 
are you kidding? I have no idea. Like, does this give us any more insight into what the anomaly is? Um, Gabriel says the stone is held up by a magnetic field and they don't know what generates it. So there's like a lot of mysteries they just introduced in like rapid succession. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It seems like, let's start with the first thing. The stone is held up by magnetic fields, Mm -hmm. which I would assume had to have occurred or had to have been there in some way before the stone got there, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't think the stone generates the fields. Um, Something else is doing it. Maybe it's the anomaly itself. Yeah. Um, That would make sense to me. And if the anomaly itself is like, like which came first, the anomaly or the anomaly stone? Like, does the, does the anomaly stone create the anomaly is that like the the like field that it's creating is like the anomaly itself Mm -hmm. or was the anomaly stone crafted because the anomaly existed and they were able to utilize the anomaly's power somehow right like they made they engineered the anomaly stone in order to channel like whatever sort of magnetic field situation the anomaly is like already naturally producing on its own so it's a good question well, the stone isn't producing it, we don't think. Well, I meant that whatever the stone, whatever yeah. the anomaly is doing, like they needed a tool to channel it, temporal abilities that it is. And I have no answers here. No, I'm I don't really either. just posing some questions for next season that I'm assuming they're going to have to answer. Um, but it just, it really does open up a lot of possibility here as to what the anomaly is, what its purpose is, what the stone's purpose is, how they work together. Um, and for me, that's something that really excites me because you guys know I've been obsessed with the anomaly this whole season. And you're obsessed with other things that, like, we'll talk about later that, yeah. like, the, ta- this, the anomaly stone, like, the time, the time element of it I all. I will say I have, I am now changing my initial thought. I don't think the anomaly is sentient anymore. That makes me sad. It makes me sad, too. I miss him. I do, too. I swirly he do. He was such a good little, like, hairdresser, you he know? He was. He was great. <laughs> I need to stop anthropomorphizing no, random. he deserved it at the time. And I could be wrong. He could be real. I know, but I don't think he is. I think <laughs> you're right. Um, okay. Going back to reality. Um, I just wanted to say that I love that Echo, being trained as a spy, like, recognizes that this is a code. Like, that makes sense with her character. I like that she's the one who calls this out. It's very fair. I don't think it was that hard to figure out. I feel like that was just the, like, writers being like, the audience is dumb. We're just going to, like, really spell it out for them. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but I like that they gave it to Echo. Yeah, sure. And I'm super curious what the code they're pressing actually means. Like... I guess does it even have a meaning or is it just like it must have a meaning well but like I'm saying is the meaning is there like some sort of like letter code kind of in that or is it just like a numerical like um code like they use take down the fence you know what I mean okay so you're are you are you saying like is there any greater meaning beyond the fact that this is the code you know yeah well I think my question is like are there or do different codes do different things with the stone maybe like, I feel like the code they entered was, like, specifically, like, to get the anomaly to come over and bring hope back so that Octavia could go back. And, like, I'm, like, it, it, if they entered a different number or a different sequence, like, would it do a different thing? Well, my theory is that, and I'm not sure, I don't, I don't quite understand how Jason, I'm not sure if we're, like, time traveling 
in the way that we could go back to a thousand years ago and leave this anomaly stone. Mm -hmm. But when Gabriel says the stone is a thousand years old, my first thought was like, oh, I think Octavia left it there Mm -hmm. at some point. And maybe she like crafted the entire stone as just a way to get her back. Mm -hmm. Um, But now I'm not so sure. You know, the possibilities are one, there was another civilization of some sort here thousands of years ago. Or two, time is just like going nuts and we'll discover that one of our people left it here. I think those are like really the two options that we have. Because if in like a a weird time, um, you know, show, if there's something that is thousands of years old that they discover mysteriously, it almost always is like the main characters did this. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's like not coincidentally left there. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, So I don't know. And I'm really excited to find out. Yeah, I think um, it'll be super interesting. I did try, I looked up Octonian, which is the last symbol that they press, which is this, the the big O. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's called an Octonian, which is, you know, Octavia. Very, Named very similar. Uh, and I tried reading the wiki page for that, and I honestly can make no sense of it. It was like gibberish to me. So it's a real element yeah it's a real mathematical element it's like an eight dimensional element which i don't even know what eight dimensions is like i can't i can't really even contemplate four dimensions so well i guess is it eight dimensional and like in like in the same way that like a cube is no like stop trying to think of it like that it is beyond your thinking eight dimensional is like the eighth dimension okay. is what it seems to be. Okay. But like I could that barely was a valid question. I, was I could asking. barely even read the words that were used to describe this. So I just kind of gave up. But an Octonian is a thing. It is very complicated, as Gabriel says. Way beyond me, way beyond Gabriel. But we'll see if it has any sort of meaning later on. Yes. I think that's fair. <laughs> um, I have a serious question. Uh-huh. Um, and it might, it might be too late to ask this. But has anyone here considered asking themselves if they should put the sequence in instead of what happens if they do? I mean, like, I know this is, like, a classic scientific, you know, on the brink of discovery, like, fall. I mean, but... I see what you're thinking. I get your point, but I also feel, well, first off, I would definitely be the Gabriel in this sitch. I would be obsessed with this anomaly stone. But second off, the fact that Octavia has this code tattooed on her back feels really significant to me. Like, it almost feels like she's saying, it's okay. We can do this, you know? I mean, I hear you, but let me just, like, set this up for you. (laughs) So they they put the sequence in. And there's this, like, nothing happens at first. And then there's, like, this, like, sound. It's a poof. It's, and there's, like, a big explosion sort of sound. And my first reaction was, oh, my God, the world is ending. And not... But it didn't. Gabriel's, like, oh, my God, it's everything I've ever dreamed of. And I was just sitting here being, like, um, <laughs> should we do this? Gabriel like, hears the anomaly expanding, and he's, like, hot damn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, meanwhile, I'm, like, duck for cover. I, why are we doing this? Why? I have, like, no compulsion for this. See, again, I mean, you've said this before on the podcast, but you would take the blue pill and I would would take the red pill in the Matrix. And there are two kinds of people in this world and we need both of them. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But I would have just been like, let sleeping dogs lie. Nobody touch the creepy stone. Bury it. (laughs) Once I found out there was an anomaly, I would have to know. I would have to know. I would literally, like, 
pat pat the <laughs> dirt over it and spit on it and then walk away. <laughs> um, so the anomaly, yeah. it expands, it engulfs Gabriel's little tent and Hope, who is now a grown ass woman after three days, comes striding out of the green smoke. <laughs> yeah, you called it here on the pod. You said it. Well, I mean, I think everyone assumed that Hope would be born and grown to some extent yes for me it was more interesting to see a grown woman just because I think it gives her a wider range of things to do than a child but I did get your point of like Matt needed a friend and everything yeah no I just like I feel like I wish I I what I really wanted which is what we're gonna get here so I'm like there's no no um I don't have any issues with this. Is yeah. That I wanted Dioza to have the experience of raising hope. Yeah. And it seems like she did. She did. So I I'm fine with that. That's um, fine. <laughs> and it also seems like Octavia has some sort of relationship with her. And I can't figure out what kind. I, I honestly, for like a split second, legit thought they were about to kiss. Yeah. No, it looked very uh, intimate. But I don't, I don't think they're romantic. I'm not sure, but just thinking about the timeline, and again, I don't quite understand how time is working. It could just be like, you know, free-for-all in the anomaly. Um, But the fact that Octavia went in right right after Dioza went in, and now it's been like days since she's like left the anomaly, it makes me think that she knew Hope when Hope was at least a little bit younger than this. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. But again, I don't know. I don't um, but Hope is, you know, a, an adult, and she stabs Octavia, which, you know, womp womp. Yeah. Um, and Octavia whispers that, you know, tell him it's done. And um, it also sounds like a mysterious he has Hope's mother, Dioza. Yeah. So who is the he? I don't know. And can it please be anyone but Shade? Well, yeah, I mean, I knew you were going there. I knew it. Um, I think it's very likely it's Shade Hedda. It's definitely Shade Hedda, but like why? I <laughs> want it to be somebody else, but it's definitely like Shade Hedda. <laughs> yeah, maybe Cadigan. Maybe Cadigan. Dude, just think about that though. If Cadigan had been Shade Hedda, then Cadigan could have been sucked into the anomaly and become whatever the hell Shade Hedda has become. It would have been so good. So good. <laughs> I mean, I think you're work- operating on a level like far beyond the writers. Like you have you have a bird's eye view. Sure. I'm, I'm so much smarter than them. You clearly. are. You're so much smarter. <laughs> so I have some actual legit pragmatic questions okay. for you um, that maybe the listeners also have. But as a layman with sci-fi time travel wonkiness, like I feel like it is my duty to ask All right. these questions. <laughs> Shoot. First off, what did Hope stab Octavia with? Is it like a time traveling night? Is it the knife that made her travel time travel or is the anomaly making her time? What is this? Is this an instrument? What's happening here? Is it like she just stabbed her with something and like the act of killing her sent Octavia back? Like what's going on? That's a great question. I actually didn't even think about that. Did you, did you, could you see what like the no. knife looked like? Okay. I like the idea that it's like, an anomaly knife that was what like I, she was stabbing Octavia to like bring Octavia back to that's what I assumed was happening but with Octavia telling Hope tell him it's done quote unquote uh-huh. it makes me think that Octavia assumes she's about to die and then Hope is going to go back and tell him that tell Shaitana that he killed Octavia although but, I don't but, know but like they knew Hope was going to stay though right I don't know I don't think so the reason that Hope stays is 
or at least is still with us at the end is because the anomaly like sucks back and well, like she's like no longer in the anomaly right, but then. i was assuming that's because the knife triggered it and hope was anticipating that oh i didn't necessarily think the knife triggered it i just kind of thought it'd be like it just was time for the anomaly to suck back oh i don't know i feel like it was all intentional but I i'm not sure it could be i honestly like really had to watch this scene a couple of times to like make sense of what was happening oh my god i asked I, just so you guys know i asked her point blank to explain the last 10 minutes of this episode well, like, and i was like do you mean like what it means and, and i was like, like no, no no i need you to explain the plot <laughs> <laughs> what actually just happened like what did i just watch <laughs> so my second question is where the fuck did octavia go well, that is the question, That's isn't it? That's the question. Um, I think the anomaly just, like, took it or took her with it as they as the anomaly, like, receded, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, like, did it take her to a different place in time? Did it take her to a different dimension? Did it take well, her to anomaly place? It like, took her into the anomaly, I'm assuming. Now, whatever that means, I mean, I is this, like, Oz? Like, what's happening here? <laughs> I, I don't know. I know we can't answer these questions, but I'm very confused i don't know what's inside the anomaly but i really 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 want to know a lot of people in the past have gone into the anomaly and never come back so there's they're in there somewhere yeah. at, at some time in history yeah. um so what's happening and is there like did Chad had to make himself king is he like you know like what what's going on i don't know i gotta know i, I can't wait there's another 10 months well you're gonna have to. i know i hate it um last thing that i wanted to note on which i think is important as we come to the end of this season Mm -hmm. is I just have to question was anyone else a little disappointed that Clark was not in the last scene or that Clark and Bellamy were not in the last scene together I just feel I don't know how I feel about this no I it's not so much for me about Clark and Bellamy not being together in the scene but it's more of it felt odd that this happens without Clark just because Clark is our, like, main character. Yeah. She's, like, the lead. I mean, even though it's an ensemble show, she is the star. Yeah, she's the main character. <laughs> so it was odd to me that she wasn't there. I mean, I, I get it in, like, a a logical, like, she just got back from the mothership. She's grieving her mom. Um, obviously, she's not going to want to go on, like, a pilgrimage out to visit the anomaly. Like, that's it's not the right time for that. Right. But still it felt weird to me yeah I feel like there's a world in which they could have reorganized this episode so that she I I still would have wanted a reunion scene but I feel like the events that were happening on the ship mm-hmm. and the half the events that are happening on the anomaly should yeah. have been more like happening simultaneously and so that when Clark and Bellamy reunite he is just lost Octavia and she has just lost her mother and I feel like that would have been really solid yeah I mean I think that they could have done it like um like they they didn't have to have them leave as soon as they got back from the mothership yeah like we could have taken a day two or three like just like breathe I know Gabriel's real gung-ho but like slow down honey (laughs) he can smoke some weed and like chill the fuck out so, um, yeah, I do think there was a way they could have done it, but they didn't yeah. choose to do it that way. And I guess now Bellamy is going to have to go back to camp and explain what happens. And Clark is going to be like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I was just disappointed that she wasn't in the last scene. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I didn't love it. Okay. 
that was the episode. We still have a lot to talk about. Uh, so let's get right into it. I want to talk about the title meanings in this episode a little bit. I don't think this is like overly complicated, but it just, you know, a couple things to spell out. Uh, the title is called The Blood of Sanctum. And I think the literal, like superficial interpretation of this is obviously the, the potion of blood and red sun toxin that the cult is forcing non-believers to drink. Um, so it's like the literal blood of yeah. sanctum. Yeah, pretty, but metaphorically, <laughs> metaphorically, though, I think there's something really interesting in the idea of like the cost in blood that this system has wrought, like not only on the people of Sanctum, but also on our main cast of characters as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the, the sum total of, of bloodshed in this show is, is just crazy. Um, and, you know, Sanctum is just like the newest setting yeah. for this. So I think it's, you know, there's definitely something in here um, beyond just like the bloodletting i am a little surprised too it, that we're it seems going to be in sanctum all of next season or at least part of next season yeah i mean maybe. i didn't really expect that or maybe russell maybe they'll leave russell the ship or whatever and like send or in like a little mini ship and like send him to go exploring where the hell is russell i don't know what and is th- he doing that was something else that i i don't know if i said it earlier where it went but i was thinking it is that i feel like they just didn't know what to do with russell the last half of this, ep- or the last half of, like, the portion of this episode that yeah. he was in, they were like, go get Maddie. Like, put her at gunpoint. Like, they just <laughs> literally, I mean, like you were saying earlier, like, they didn't know how to wrap up the yeah. crime storyline, but they really didn't know how to wrap up the Russells. He's not even in it. Yeah. I, I guess he's just, like, sitting in his cell right now. Yeah, but chilling. I feel like we should have seen that. I like, agree. I feel like that feels very important. He was, like, the main villain of the season. I mean, I think in this case, it'll be one of those things that we saw last season where nothing was really wrapped up at the end of last season. And we, we had to start, like, wrapping things up earlier this season. Yeah. Um, which is not the ideal way that I think you should be doing TV, but it yeah. is the way they have chosen. So, yeah. All right. Let's get into your favorite line. Yeah. Well, my favorite line is we did do better. I have to believe that matters for all the reasons that I said um, it was just a really great line. Yeah, um, I changed my answer from what I had written earlier. Okay. It's now the truth killed Priya. What did you write earlier? I think that what I had written earlier was um, side by side Oh, with Bellamy and Octavia. That was also a good line. Yeah, that was a great line, but I really love the truth killed Priya. That feel, like, I, feel, I felt more emotional about yeah. it, talking about it now, and I was like, no, that's definitely my favorite line. I feel that. What was your favorite scene? My favorite scene was the final scene with the Anomaly Stone and with Hope and Octavia disappearing just because finally is like us getting into a mystery that I have been really really excited to see all season and I've been waiting to happen and now it is finally happening even if it's at the end of the last episode of the season um so it was exciting to see all of that and I can't wait to see where it goes from here yeah I hear you what about yours mine was Clark waking up Maddie by invoking their love their love it was just very sweet it was very sweet um I also really loved the scene where Octavia steps up and volunteers oh as tribute as, as tribute yeah that was so great <laughs> yeah it was i, I love both of those scenes equally <laughs> okay so now is the portion of the episode where we talk about next season predictions and i'm just gonna hand it over to you yeah well again i don't have as much predictions as just questions that i'm posing and i've also interspersed this with some quotes that i found from um Jason Rothenberg did a bunch of interviews after the last episode and so I've kind of like picked out some things that I thought were interesting or 
pointed to a different direction than I expected. Um, and so I just wanted to talk about all these things before we close out for the season. Yeah. Um, so my first question is, is time travel going to be the theme of the last season? And if so, how is that going to play into various character arcs? So before I say anything about that, I'm going to read the quote from Jason, which is that <laughs> he specifically said, next season is not time travel. I can say that. I don't know if it's a spoiler to say exactly what it is, so I'm not going to say what it is, but definitively not time travel. That said, time is not behaving normally, clearly. The rules of physics, for reasons we will explain, are not acting normally. So the kind of question that I have here is, what does Jason think time travel is? Um, and it's kind of the question I had last season when Jason was like, uh, this show is going to be a lot more sci-fi next season. And I was like, what has it been the last, you know, <laughs> five seasons before this? Um, so I guess maybe he's just thinking of time travel in the sense of like, we're not going to like get into a machine right. and shuttle back to like 50 years ago and then pop out and like interact with right. people. I think he's trying to like simplify it so it won't be too crazy, which is why I'm not sure now as I was when it happened. I'm not as sure that the anomaly stone will be created by our people. Yeah. But again, I, I don't understand when he's saying like the rules of time aren't behaving normally. I think it could also just be that like time isn't moving in a linear fashion. And so going into the anomaly, like you could pop out at different points in time and have it not really be time travel. Right. I mean, I think the, the difference is like instead of time being circular, the way that we sort of like time travel theory works yeah. in a lot of ways, this in a lot of shows. Time being like a ball of knots. Right, exactly. <laughs> and you can like intersect it at different moments and it's not necessarily going to be in the correct order. Mm -hmm. Or as one of my other favorite ideas of time travel um, is that everything that has ever happened is happening at once and yes. we're only experiencing it in a linear fashion. Um, I've always liked that. I mean, I, I've thought about time travel a lot because in my job as an editor, there is one series in particular I work on that is a time travel series. You and should plug it. I, it's called The Last Magician by Lisa Maxwell. It's really great. It's fantastic. Um, but it's very complicated, it turns out, to <laughs> to work and write on a, uh, a time travel book because time travel is hard, guys. Um, so I have spent hours and hours with the author over email, on the phone, just like talking through how time travel would theoretically work. Or more, more importantly, it's about setting some rules and some parameters and then sticking to them. So there's like many different theories of how if time travel were possible, it would work. But you really can't just like jump around like crazy. Like you, you've got to really stick to a theory if you're going to do time travel. So that's sure. like one of the problems I had with Endgame is that they did not stick to a theory of time travel. No. <laughs> there were no time travel rules at all in the Avengers Endgame movie. So I just hope, you know, if Jason's going to be messing with time next season, I hope that it makes sense. And if it doesn't, you better believe I will call it out. <laughs> yes, you will. Second, um, is the mysterious he that Hope and Octavia are talking about, Shade Hedda? Jason said, interestingly, we always kind of set up throughout a season what the next season's story is going to be. We did that in two ways this season, the anomaly being one and Shade Hedda being the other. 
Yeah. And with him saying that makes me think that Shade Hedda is going to be very important next season, unfortunately. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. So he probably is the one who has Dioza. And I don't know if he has, like, a body or I don't know if he's, like, beyond such petty things. I'm really imagining him as, like, the Wizard of Oz. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, like, a disembodied face. Head. Um, I won't dwell too much on that because I don't really care about Chaitetta, but that is that. Yeah, it's a good question, too. Uh, third question. What is the world like inside the anomaly? Because it's clear that time moves differently, but, like, how is time moving differently? And is, like, quote-unquote space different there, too? Or is, like, the, the, like, physical space that we see the anomaly taking up actually the amount of space that's inside the anomaly as well? Does that make sense? Yes. No, that makes perfect sense. And I feel like... I had this question as well. Is like, is the time inside the anomaly affecting only stuff inside the anomaly or like everything? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. know. (laughs) But Jason said, the anomaly is essentially, I don't know if I can say what the anomaly essentially is yet, but it's obviously some type of passage between. There is another side to the anomaly. So I think him saying some type of passage between is a really intriguing phrase that I'm catching on yeah and it almost hints at like passage between dimensions universes dimensions it reminds me this this is gonna sound really weird but um there's a very famous uh fantasy series called the wheel of time by Robert Jordan Mm -hmm. and the way that um when some of the characters are like magical and the way that they move through space are these sort of uh, space bridges between dimensions. Um, And it sounds a lot like that, (laughs) you know? Like they, like, fold space. um, Oh, it's like warp drive. Yeah, like warp drive, but, like, not really because they, like, actually have to, like, walk down this tunnel. (laughs) 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 So, and it's really dark and creepy. (laughs) But, um... But yeah, that's like kind of why I feel like the anomaly is just like a kind of like a, a gate and then it spits you out in different places, maybe. Yeah, well, and I also guess it could be a passage between the third dimension, which is our reality, and the fourth dimension, which is time. Yeah. Um, so maybe. I, I honestly don't know, but I can't wait to find out, guys. <laughs> I know I keep saying that, but I'm so excited. She's just like Gabriel. Um, another question is, of course, is Octavia or one of our other people, someone who created the anomaly stone and what Jason has to say about this, I kind of caught on a little bit. He said, any sufficiently advanced technology appears to be magic. As Arthur C. Clarke says, that's what we're going to delve into in season seven. And if you remember right, Raven actually mentioned that quote back in season five, when Echo saw all of the, um, cryo chambers and was like, it's magic. And. And Raven's like, no, no, it's science. It's just really advanced, you know? Um, So I love that idea, and I've always been excited to explore that concept, you know? I actually am really intrigued by this concept. I love this idea. Well, and I think what I like about it is, like, before when Echo was like, oh, magic, we already knew that, like, we could could conceive of cryopods. And, like, we we got that. This is, like, a it's, like, couched in very scientific terms. Yeah. Like, what we are accepting as science. But for the anomaly, 
to us as like, you know, living in this reality here and now does seem very much like magic. Yes. So I'm really excited to see the ways that they explore this on a scientific level because Jason did say that they were really, really trying to stick to the science here and not make it like seem too mystical. Yeah. And I really, so to just jump on that, I mean, I think that is the, the show in a nutshell is the, the relationship between mystical or religious or faith and science and technology yeah. like that is the show in a nutshell always has been that's why the opening credits are so amazing that's also what lost is about in its entirety yeah <laughs> it is um and also really quick so the quote you just uh mentioned by arthur c clark is where clark gets her namesake yes it is i'm glad you brought that up i love that yeah um i guess one of my my bigger questions here too for the end of next season will our people ever truly know peace here, this is just me, a girl standing in front of Jason <laughs> Rothenberg, begging him. Begging for him to give my characters a happy, happy ending. <laughs> like, I know that is so, so optimistic to maybe the point of foolishness, but, like, I have to believe that they're going to get a happy ending or I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know if they're going to get a happy ending because I think, I think it'll ending, be more complex than that. I should say a happy ending in the sense of this show. I do really think our people deserve to be at peace. They've fought for so long, and they just deserve to chill. They need a nap. But I don't know if it will happen. Um, I guess we'll find out. Jason mentioned they haven't revealed the moral of the story yet, as we talked about, um, and that they're going to do so in Season 7. And he said, when we got to this point, we knew it had to be the end. There's nowhere to go after this. And I'm like, what does that mean? I don't know. What do you mean there's nowhere to go after this? What is the moral? Oh, my God. I don't know. I feel like there have also, there have been so many morals on this show. Like, again, I'm just questioning, like, what haven't we already explored? Well, that's the question. Like, Jason had mentioned, like, when you get to the end of a story, like, that's where you can really look back on the entire story as a whole and yeah. figure out what it's saying. And so I think the show has said many different things over different periods of time. But I think what it sounds like he wants to do is give a bigger message at the end of the show next season um, to really kind of put into perspective everything that we'd seen so far um, and that it's not just going to be about like, you know, you have to like do horrible things to survive. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm assuming it'll be more in line with the like do better idea but I think it still has to be more than that because he's saying that we haven't explored it yet yeah I, I agree but I'm just curious what that could mean because I feel like we've covered a lot of ground the <laughs> only thing I can think of is just kind of taking what we did this season a little step further and taking Bellamy's quote at the end of the season one step further and just showing us that what we do matters like the good things that we do matter yeah and I don't know in what way they would do that but yeah, it's like I feel like it might go in like into a and it's a wonderful life mode. Yeah. Uh which So you're saying a parallel universe if you will? Yeah. No, <laughs> really though. I mean, I think that's what we've been talking about this yeah. whole time, right? It's just like showing the different ways that like you can affect other people yeah. and like different points of time gives you different perspective. All we have is each other, guys. Oh my god. <laughs> But for real, though, all we have is each other. And all that's, I, I mean, that's true. No, it is true. Um, I guess to just a couple more questions about our characters before we wrap up. Where do we see all of our faves going next season? Um, starting with Clark, 
We do know Jason mentioned she will be obsessively determined not to lose any of her family again. That seems fair. It does seem fair, but I also... I was almost hoping for, like... This almost seems like something we would have seen from Clark in, like, season four or five. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's as evolved as I wanted her to be. It is possible that he's just giving, like, where she's going to start. start. And that she'll obviously, like, move way beyond that this season or this next season. But I think that's likely. I hope so. Um, Bellamy is going to be searching for Octavia at the beginning of the season. Sure. And it sounds like we're going to, like, find out what's happening in the anomaly or go into the anomaly pretty much immediately like very very quickly into the season um and be that you know he he did mention that we will see characters go into the anomaly and come out of the anomaly so i think the anomaly is gonna be you know the the focal point we're gonna really just you know hammer in the anomaly next season and i'm ready for it (laughs) um octavia i think we'll get to see and jump in anytime you have anything to add. No, no, I'm, I'm, in, I'm okay. enjoying all of this. Octavia, I think we'll get to see what happened to her in between when she ran into the anomaly and came out, like, seconds later. Yeah, I weirdly, selfishly, like, want that to be, like, the opening of the season. That would be awesome. Like, showing us all of this stuff and then or, you think that it's present, Octavia, but then you realize that it was actually, this is what happened in the past and we don't even know oh my gosh, what I happened to that. her after. Yeah. She goes back in. I love that. I, I honestly just, like want to see an image of her running into the anomaly and then like stopping and just like the camera panning and like showing us what she sees because that's what I have wanted this whole time yeah I mean I can only see it as the Wizard of Oz in my head but like yeah I know I just see it as like this magical fantasy <laughs> land like lollipops <laughs> yeah. and flowers everywhere um but I think Octavia it seems like she's going to have a pretty strong connection with Hope and Dioza because she clearly spent a decent amount of time with them in the anomaly. Um, Wait, so- I just had a weird thought. What? I'm sorry. I just had a really weird thought. Yeah. Okay. You know when Josephine, we were in her memory and she was like in the diner and like there was like a sandstorm outside. Yeah. And like somebody came in and they had sort of like a head covering on them. Sure. It looks an awful lot like the outfit that Hope is wearing. And so I just had a thought that maybe the anomaly spits them out before like during the time of like before the world ends but like during the like drought that Josephine was living in and that is why so you think the anomaly transports them from alpha to earth or yeah like some kind of metaphysical way um and then I mean theoretically if you think that it's the fourth dimension and it's like you know, yeah, it's just, of time it's and just space, like then time moving and space them back really matter. Yeah. Like it can put them anywhere. Put them anywhere. Maybe. So, I mean, and then that would that. explain why Dioza, because if Shade Hedda is, you know, somehow being trans in interplaying in this moment, that would explain why Dioza would recognize him because he was there. Maybe Shade Hedda is Dioza or is, no, that's not what I mean. Sorry. Maybe Shade <laughs> Maybe Shade Hedda is Cadigan, nope. but flipped. Maybe Shade Hedda came first, and then he went back in time and became Cadigan because okay. he knew what was going but to like, happen. Doesn't that make sense for why Dioza would recognize him if it was like they popped them back into the? It would make sense, but given that Jason's like, it's not going to be time travel. Well, yeah, okay. I really don't think we're going back to Earth pre. Um, pre-apocalypse especially because I think Jason's writing his own prequel for it that's true 
Okay, that was a thought. I know, I, I know, had. but like it could be. I mean, I, I, it's, it's a great theory. I'm gonna, and pick. I will not dismiss anything that has to do with time travel because I love it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Gabriel, what the hell is he gonna do? I feel like at this point, Gabriel is just gonna walk into the anomaly. Yeah, I was, I, I was gonna say that actually is I feel like. You know, it's so sad because this has, like, been his life's purpose and yeah. his journey, and yet he is sidelined again. Like, it's not even about him. Yeah. So I feel like he's just going to have to take destiny into his own hands. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a little pathetic. <laughs> like, it's just sad. Like, you've had the answers within your grasp. You're just too afraid to go after them. Yeah, I mean, we've called him pathetic many yeah. times. And he is. Time. I mean, I love I love him. I love him. But <laughs> he's a girl bear. Um... Of course, Amori, Murphy, Jordan, Sanctum, we're going to get a little bit of the, like, prime leftover story there. Yeah. Um, Which I have to say I'm, like, deeply uninterested in. Yeah, I am too. I, like, because I feel like we've already done this. Yeah. It feels very repetitive. But maybe they'll do a new, yeah. new thing. And kind of tying in with that, what is going to happen with Russell next season? I, I don't know. I, we talked about this earlier. I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe it's just going to, like... Again, maybe they're just going to stick him on a ship and be like, go find humanity. I did read an interview with Jason. I can't remember which one it was. He mentioned that um, Clark would vent a little bit in the first episode or so of the season. And I'm mm-hmm. wondering if she's going to be venting to Russell of just like, oh. you're the worst and I hate what you did. But also like, you, you know, I, I I think like she needs someone to vent to. And I could see Russell being a good candidate for that. Yeah. He's just trapped in a cell. Yeah. But I also like feel like board. it's likely Russell will die next season. I mean, because I of like the interplay with all of the, the prime stuff that's going to be happening. Russell should have died this season. So I'm just like, if they weren't going to kill him now, why would they kill him later? I don't know. I mean, like, I, I honestly don't know what his purpose is anymore. So maybe he'll find a new purpose or maybe this was like a red herring and they're going to like do like what they did to Zeke <laughs> or slash Shaw. Yeah. <laughs> And then finally, Hope. Hope is a new character. We know nothing about her except she has cool face tattoos. Yeah. Um, what What is Hope going to be all about next season? I don't know, but I think it's going to be really interesting to watch our characters go into, like, her setting and be, like, fishes out of water there and for Hope to come into this new environment and be a fish out of water here. Well, and I'm worried that Hope won't have her memories. Um, because she collapses just like yeah. Octavia collapsed when she left the anomaly. So like maybe Hope doesn't have any memories of like anything because she was born in the anomaly, you know? Maybe. So maybe she'll just be like a blank slate for a while until Ooh. they go back into the anomaly and she remembers. But she seems like kind of a badass. Yeah, she seems awesome. And she loves her mom. So that's great because I love her mom. <laughs> yeah, I'm on, on team Hope. Anyone who's on team Dioza, I'm on their team. I think we're going to like her. I think we'll probably get a lot of Dioza in her, her, you know? Yeah, I agree. I got really good vibes. Yeah. Very good vibes. So that's it. That's all of my questions for next season Nothing at this point. Else? I'm sure I'll have more very <laughs> soon. Okay. Well, if that's all, then that was our episode, guys. And that's, that's the season. Yeah. Um, if you would like to contact us, you can. You can email us at skycastcrew at gmail.com. That is s-k-a-i-c-a-s-t-k-r-u at gmail.com you can also tweet at us at skycast and you can tweet at us at our own twitter accounts i am at b perlman 89 and i'm at sarah r mccabe and that is our episode and our season until next time until next time may we meet again hopefully in the anomaly (laughs) i was gonna say with a trailer but sure okay bye guys bye